Hilly Nation version 3.0. I'm back. You're back, yes, sir. Episode number 23. It's been a rough couple weeks, my boys. Hey, dude, it's good to hear your voice, man. Nice to see you back. I was pretty sure I wasn't going to make it. Yeah? Yeah. You pulled through, man. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, you're almost there. Almost there. So, good couple shows, though, you know? You guys did really well. I was able to help on the edit on one and listen to the other one, and uh, I got quite a bit of feedback. Some, some good, some not. <laughs> hey, the machine is still mostly intact, so there you go. Yes, uh, trying to defend at least one person every show. <laughs> I believe it's working. So, <laughs> All right. Yes. One thing that I want to say before we get going back, and and I'm uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about. I mean, I, I really don't have much to, to add as far as what I've been up to, but I want to make a quick mention. You might hear a mouse click or two, so bear with me. I've got like a bunch of emails that I've not e- I've read, but I've not responded. Tonight's like the first night I've actually had time to sit down and think about something other than what's been going on. Yeah. Um, so. Thank you for the emails. I'll be getting back to you, Felix. Let's see. Scroll down. Tristan, George. Who's this Nick? I got an email from Nick Wisdom. Who the fuck is that? Is that from you? Fuck it. RCHNP3.com. <laughs> anyway, we'll get. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. It's from the douchebag.com. So uh, yeah, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, two weeks away. Craziness. Why was I gone the first time? Was I not? I wasn't feeling good. Or I think that's what it was. Right. Oh, surgery. Yes. Yes. Surgery the first week. I had to get yep, Elaine right. to surgery Tuesday morning. Oh, she's the bionic <sighs> woman now, isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. Gotta be, I gotta tread careful here because she does listen to the show, right? <laughs> right. I'm done, so done. it was a fantastic experience. I'm loving it. Heck yeah. She's the light of my life. <laughs> and I, I, I really enjoy doing stuff. Everything. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been great. So, but let's talk about helis for a minute. Now, I'm going to let you guys go first. Hopefully you guys have some good shit because I don't have much. Who wants to go first? I can go first, but I'm going to disappoint you. Oh, well, you're you're busy though. You're 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 out and about. Yeah. Yeah, aren't you yeah. in the field right now, Nick? Like Yeah, I'm in job? Austin, Massachusetts right now. Ah, uh, yes, doing that in the MacGyver rig. Where it's currently snowing, unfortunately. Yeah. Did you get to sim? Are you simming at the hotel like you're supposed to? Um, no. Yeah. I get a, I get a no fly and a no sim this week. Uh, it just Ooh. hasn't happened. Been working around the clock. I, you know, I went to the job last week out of town. I went home for like 12 hours and then flew to Boston and it's just been work, work, work. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do sometimes, right? You got to make the bacon. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm super boring this week. No fly, no sim, no buy. So no just, buy even. No, no buy even. Um, Holy shit! What's happening yeah. to the world? I I don't know. Stand times. Know. Gotta be the only answer. <laughs> it's pre-tax season, you see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which for self-employed folks is no fun. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, mostly I'm just kind of hanging out, waiting on the RS4 to come in. That should come in at the end of the month. Looking forward to that build. And I still need to find a minute. I get home from this job on Thursday, and I'm hoping Friday I can sneak out for a bit and remaiden the logo post repair and at least get that checked out. So that's the hope for that. Um, but I can tell you where I will not be flying that helicopter. Mm. Um, yeah, quick update on Atlanta RC, which has actually made, sadly, national news this week. And I'll just quickly say, without getting political, that despite what you may have heard in the news, what I'll tell you is actually what happened. <laughs> Fortunately, the police were doing yet another sweep of the woods to remove protesters uh, this past week. And uh, unfortunately, one of the protesters uh, made a very poor choice and fired first on a Georgia state trooper. Uh, wounding the state trooper. Um, I'm very glad to say that the trooper is fine uh, and is expected to make a full recovery. But, uh, you know, the police returned fire as you would and the protester was killed. So that's unfortunate. So things have escalated badly. There were further protests in downtown Atlanta Saturday night and a very small group of these protesters went on to do stupid things. and Lit a police car on fire in the middle of downtown, smashed some windows and other shenanigans. So it's really unfortunate that it's escalating. So it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. Yeah. On the plus side, the gate's cleared, so we have field access, but right now the police are using that as a staging area. So uh, <laughs> for now, Atlanta RC is closed until further notice. It's just not safe. So and my wife uh, put the double one on that and said you, that I'm under no circumstances to go to that field until she says it's okay and safe. So she's obviously <laughs> very concerned seeing all this in the news. It was, you know, okay when she was just hearing it from me. But now that she's, you know, hearing it on national news, she's obviously understandably concerned. So, yeah, that's wild. That's uh, that's all I got, man. It's been kind of a, a no heli week, but sometimes uh, life just does that to you. So uh, who's next? Man, dude, that sucks. I'll go next. Um, my my week didn't have as much drama like that, like you're describing um, uh, non heli related drama. I mean, I saw some of those reports about the, quote, mostly peaceful protests where people are burning cop cars and shit like that. And. Whatever, man. We don't need to repeat it, some other stuff. That just is all lame, and I'm, I'm glad they're shutting that shit down. But as far as myself and flying and stuff, kind of just a, a regular week, you know. Um, I got to get uh, the T-Rex 600 and the 500 out uh, just for a couple of flights, a couple of little big air flights in the yard, and um, flew the Oxy-2 down in the basement a couple of times, you know. Just general stuff. Um, been playing around in the brain, just trying to tweak the settings a little bit to just tune it up a little bit, and the more I fly these things, they start to notice that, you know, I watch other heli pilots, they'll fly and the way the stops are, you know, cyclic or, you know, just cyclic stops just in general, just to seem to be a little crispier. And so I've never really dove into the whole cyclic tuning part. I don't know if you guys, Dan, you probably remember back in the GY401 days, Scott too, probably, I guess shit, all of us probably remember that stuff, you know, um, you had to do a lot of tail tuning and stuff and that got better as the devices got better, but I haven't really played a lot around a lot in the fly barless tuning cyclic. Right. So I've been trying to spend some time messing around with um, like the P and the I gains and stuff. And I guess I'm kind of glad I did the drone gig before coming back to helis because I kind of have experienced pit loops and whatnot already, you know, and so it kind of makes sense, but 
with one disc. I, I don't know. I'll get there. I'll figure it out. But my goal now is just to clean up the the stops on my helis and stuff, right? Because I can't really do a lot of stuff in the winter. I can hover in the backyard, do a couple of flips and rolls here to see if I made a change, you know, um, as it's cold. But and then maybe as spring starts to come, I'll have a little bit crisper responding helis. If that makes, makes sense, you know, but um, didn't get as much sim time as uh, the week before. Uh, about six, seven hours by the judge of my timer. It's like 6.40-something or whatever, six hours, 40-something minutes, but still fun, still good. Um, uh, and that's that's kind of my heli world. No buys on my end here, here either. I haven't really had, uh, I don't know, I, I haven't really had a burning desire that's overcome my frugalness that I have in my life. So I don't know. I'm good, you know, so I haven't had to buy anything new. I think maybe after tax season rolls around, if I get a little extra money, I'm going to take the kids on vacation. And then if I can, I'm taking a uh, spring break off. If I can, I want to try to segue maybe something where I can fly into that week as long as it's not prohibitively expensive for me to do it. Amps, is it Amps? Uh, which one's the one in Florida? Yeah, um, Amps. Amps, yeah. If that one's... I'd have to like budget it out and figure it out, but that's like way at the other tip. I'm like way at the northern tip of the United States and they're way down there, you know? Uh, so I don't know about driving there, but we'll see. So that's, that's my, uh, my brain dump from the heli world, I suppose, uh, for the last wow. week. So that, uh, your total now, <clears throat> 15 and six and a half, you're looking at 21 and a half hours of simming in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. You've surpassed my lifetime total. <laughs> right uh, me too yeah i think our lifetimes added together i'm gonna wear these gimbals out before i like any get any good fl actual flying on the damn things do you feel like it's yeah. gonna help do you feel like it's uh, are you i don't know i, I guess it's hard yeah. to judge because you're not really able to get out to the field because of the winter weather and shit but uh are I you optimistic it, i am dude i kind of am the last time i took the helis out and it could actually go do something it was a week was it last week? I don't remember. The week before, maybe when I did the nice clean uh, Piro roll or Piro loop that I did. But I could just tell as soon as I lifted off and started wobbling the heli around really quickly, I got like used to, because you know, every heli has its own personality, right? It splits and rolls and the way it pirouettes and stuff, the way it settles back down into its disc load, all the stuff is different for every heli that you have, right? right. But I, I just noticed that for, it didn't matter which one I picked up that day. I just settled into it very quickly, right? And then I would just go in the air and I would do some stuff and I'd be like, this is great. And I was, more importantly, I can say, I was aware of those moments where I was holding myself back out of fear because there would be a couple of moments where I'd be like, oh, maybe I should try. And then I'm like, I, and I'm like, wait, Rob, you know how to do this. You've been doing it on the sim for hours. Just do it. And I do the trick. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. That's real life. Okay, we're, we're going to keep doing it like this. So I think that, yeah, the more analog stick time i get the more similar it's going to be to the way i fly in the sim you know i still crash in the sim uh you know because i'm you know like like everybody does i degenerate into just stick banging and i end up crashing yeah. but um i still like the things that i'm doing in the air before i'm crashing is great and when i just settle down and just fly you know i can fly a little bit more deliberate routine in the sim and this and that so yeah i i think so yeah so i'm a total advocate for doing the same thing um especially uh, uh, go, ahead. go ahead i was gonna say especially way up here where it's so fucking cold you can't do anything else you know well i was just so. gonna ask you what's the how, how's the weather treating you up there 
Lots Dude, of snow, it, lots of cold temperatures, or what's the deal? So, okay, the last, like, week and a half or so, it's, like, just been a tease where it gets just barely warm enough, but it's, like, uh, this frosty, like, sleet that's coming out of the air. So it doesn't look like it's raining. It's not really necessarily foggy, but you'll take the heli up and come down, and it's just wet. You look down at your radio, and it's just wet, and it's uncomfortable, and I'm like, uh you know, I could handle it if it wasn't doing that moisture, right? I could just, I could stay out here and fly four or five, six packs, just going and get warm every now and then in my car, whatever, you know, but that's just a it's annoying tease, right? So it's like almost good enough to fly the whole like last week and a half, probably it's been like that, mm. you know, today it was 34 degrees, but just still shitty outside, too shitty to fly in it, you know, and it's like, come on. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's what's Getting been going soft, on. Your old age, Rob. I guess soft. so, man. I guess so. But, you know, I think back to like other things like, uh, I don't know, like back when I used to fly um, and I had the Galway sponsorship, I was able to keep my parts, you know, fairly stocked really pretty easily, you know, compared to like now. Right. So I would do stupid shit with my heli because it, I guess I was like, well, if I break that, I've got four other spares. I'm good. You know, and then I would settle down later, but still the point is I would do things with it, like um, fly when it's sprinkling out and not dry the helicopter off. And then you wonder why the tail shaft starts to rust on you. And you're like, ah, you know, those are the little <laughs> things you can avoid those things. You know what I mean? So yeah. in my older age, I guess I do avoid those little things because I don't need the three minutes of glory. You know, I can wait for that. I don't know. That's me. No. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> and let's or, be real. 30 seconds. Yeah, 40, yeah, 45 yeah, maybe. You're overestimating <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Well, I think, you know, warmer weather for us is right around the corner. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of a tease. I know, and it, look, when it's back home in Montana in January, when it snows or gets, it just, it, it, it doesn't go away. Like here it snows and there's snow on the ground in the morning by two o'clock in the afternoon, it's gone. And that's kind of a foreign concept to me. But the big difference for me in temperature is the humidity out here, right? It yeah. just, it just makes the, what otherwise is not a bad cold, bad, you know, cold temperature just makes it for me unbearable. Like I, just, I can't stand it. Even walking to my car in the morning or walking from my car to my office in the morning, it's just like, Fuck. Yeah, dude. You get angry cold because of it. You get aggravated. You're like, oh, God damn it. Trying to hunker down and just yeah, dude. Kind of walk into it. It's like, hurry up and get inside. It's sucky. But it's almost over. And then we yep. can go and break our, all of our stuff and buy more things and crash and build and fly them. All right, Devin. My turn. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you know, there's a lot, a lot of pressure on what you're about to tell us. You've got to kind of try to save us. I did not fly and, this weekend. Uh, oh. Did you not hear what Dan just said? You gotta yeah, make some shit up, dude. Do the tricks. But I did do I, some heli thingies. The heli things. Yes. Today, Good. in fact, right before I went to school, I received some more parts for the Flash. Yeah. So, Why'd you crash it already? No, 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 no. This is stuff so you can make it go faster, right? Because you've been slowly amp like bringing up the head speed and stuff. Is is that what you're dealing with here? Well, it's kind of, I got sent like the rest of the pinions and tail pinions and the optional yeah. pinions that are going to be optional when the kit gets released. So, yeah. I can do, so now I have my choice of what tail pinion I want to run and what uh, motor pinion I want to run. 
Nice. So that's all good. So I got to get that out. I got to get the auto gear on the front side underneath the main gear changed out because I'm running an older version. And I got to update to the latest one. So I will do that tomorrow. Yeah. Nice. But I did not fly. I was just mostly working on my car all God, weekend because we it was cold. I bet yeah. you Scott flew this week. No, he didn't. No, I don't think so. Did we say where Scott is? No. Oh, yeah. We didn't. We don't care. <laughs> no, Scott's under the weather and family under the weather, unfortunately. Sucky. Everybody's got the flu yeah. or something over there. Yeah. They're doing the exorcist rehearsals. Dude, I'm so glad I don't have little kids anymore, man. I remember that shit. Uh, I never yeah. had kids, but when I was in nursing school, we would do rotations in public health and uh, we'd have to go like spend a month at a public school or a, well, both a public and a private school. And, and so I went to the private school first, didn't have any issues, man. I did not have, you know, didn't have any issues. I'm at the public school for one day. And like typhoid Mary comes over me, man. <laughs> like I went home oh. and I was like, oh my God, I am so sick. And it was horrible. But oh, I, yeah, that's my one and only youngster contagion experience that I have, I suppose. But thank God. Man. Yeah. They, it comes in waves in public school, man. When my kids are little, I'd hear it. They'd be like, my friends are sick. And I'm like, oh no. And then, <laughs> you know, it, they'd come home sick like three days later. And then everybody's fucking goes all around the school. Yep. All right, so I feel like we let Devin off the hook a little bit too easy. Devin? Oh, yeah, we did. Uh-oh. There's got to be something. I mean, you got some stuff in. Did you buy anything? Did you... I did not buy anything. I bought you parts sim? for my car. Oh, we don't care about that. So all these pinions and choices, what are you going to do? Are you going to ramp this thing up to like 2300 RPM? What's your plan? Yeah, I'll probably go one bigger on the motor pinion. Go 27? What's your target head speed range? I know you've been flying at like 18, 1900 for now, pretty conservatively, but where well, are you headed? The, yeah. 100% on the ESC right now would be 2,500 on the head. <laughs> Goddamn. If, Dude, I go, video that. Do it. if I go up opinion, 100% would be 2,700. There you go. See Do what? it. I'm going to go up opinion and then I'll have to change the tail too. Yeah, so. dude. Just beta test that shit. Put 105s <laughs> on the back and just. <laughs> got 115s on it. Oh, well, shit. Okay. Well, if you're doing like 2,500 RPMs, then maybe you should leave the 105s on there. Put 195s, put 95s on there or something. No, just put yeah. some Oxy 2 blades on the tail. Just go <laughs> at it. It'll love that. It'll, it'll <laughs> snap the blade in two pieces. Yeah, dude, for sure. No, so that's all good with that. It's going forward with the Flash. Just got some more updating to do to the final, the final few things and then flying whenever it's not too cold. Dude, I tell you what, I would watch that latest video Bill Ann put up and you were flying it in like 1900, I think it was, yeah. right? That thing is so fast, dude. When you put the next pinion on, I want to see how fast you can get that thing to come across the field, dude. That thing is so fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's really fast. I love and it. The way it sounds is great when it goes by. Uh, I can't wait to see it go faster. So it'll be cool to see what it's going to do with this new pinion on there. So are you going to then do, I suppose, because they got different tail si tail pulley sizes then, are you are you going to actually like do a deliberate, let's test it with this tail pulley on and this one also and see what the difference is? Or are you just going to pick one and just go at it? So I got a text from Luca. Right now I have, I think it's a 19 tooth tail pulley in it and I'm going to go to the 20. 
So I got I got the text to go up a tail tooth, so I'm gonna try that. Yeah, dude. Stop that shit hard as a fucking brick. Just Yeah, it'll be great. I wonder then so now you gotta get it up to like twenty five RPM, twenty five hundred RPM head speed, like one hundred percent, and just like the biggest pin you can put on there, biggest tail pinion, and then just full on pyro that thing. The as biggest as you pinion can. would be I I would I, Actually, the biggest pinion that we're going to offer for it, I think, is absolutely ludicrous. So, <laughs> you got to run like 500 blades, steel yeah, 500 honestly, blades. Honestly, because the, <laughs> the biggest pinion we offer is 13 tooth, and the 2700 is on a 12 tooth. Ooh. So, and this is all KV dependent. So, if you run a lower KV motor that you have sitting around, yeah. you know that. Yeah, well, that, for my setup, it would be outrageous. Yes. But for somebody running let's say like a, six eight or ten s it'd yeah. probably be it'd probably be an option sure sure you if you're trying into. to go that route that makes sense yeah or lower yeah, yeah. motor yeah. yeah and we'll touch on this a little bit in the news we're going to talk about some of the, the updates from moxie that came out this week okay yeah, it's going good though I had a good week good for you good. thanks i'm happy for you Devin. i'm happy I'm, for you too dan oh so I, you know, I came downstairs tonight and looked around and I'm like, well, what, what are, what are all these, what, what is, these things look like they fly. <laughs> right. I don't remember. It's been that long. It's just been, I'm telling you what, sometimes life just happens. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. um, between work and I mentioned, um, the reason I wasn't here a couple weeks ago, we had to get lane to the hospital well we had to get into town because her surgery was i don't know 50 miles away and um we had to get her there the night before or early the next morning for surgery so she had a total knee replacement uh, you know <laughs> i wasn't worried about it she was a little concerned and she made <laughs> the fatal mistake of watching a youtube video oh no of Never the procedure before the procedure. Ooh. Yeah, you never do that. It wouldn't have bothered like if I were having an if I was having it done, I would have I would have watched the procedure and not had an issue with it. I mean, I because I know I'm going to be sedated. I won't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And I find that shit interesting, but I'm a nurse, so it's a little different, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Um so we we did that and then um of course that meant no time and on top of that, work has just been Oh my God. I, I finally got one of my nurses back in my department. We were too shy. Finally got one back. They got a little more staffing. Part time, which is great. Yeah. It's better than nothing. But I don't know, you know, I don't, not to get too deep into the woods here, but we have, um, you know, those of you who are familiar hospitals and nursing homes, they have senses, right? They got a, they, they have a certain amount of beds and they try to keep those beds full the admissions folks have just been going on this spree, I guess, trying to fill beds. But the problem is, is they're not being very picky. So we end up getting people coming in one day and leaving in a day, like a, like a hospital or a hotel. Right. And that's really not what a long-term nursing facility is for. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And those are extremely time sinks. Right. So anyway, that's been happening at work. And then of course, uh, as I mentioned um, last, I guess it was November, we're going into what is called the picture window every three months. Starting next week and getting ready for that, it's just been horrendous. So my time between work 
and then coming home and helping Elaine do what she needs to do, you know, trying to get her to therapy, trying to get her to this, that, and the other. And, and it's just, I've not, I have not even looked, touched, or even thought about a helicopter for about the last two and a half weeks. And mm, it's starting yeah. to wear on me. It's, it's burning into my psyche. Yeah. You need a flush. You need a, yeah. a, a gimbal, a gimbal massage on your fingertips <laughs> is what you need. <laughs> you see. But you know, there, the thing about it is, is I suppose I could have found time to sim, but frankly, whenever I have time to just not be doing anything, I stare at the TV and watch something on Netflix because I just don't want to be, you know what I mean? I just, yeah, yeah. Just don't, don't want to be thinking or doing anything. Yeah. Right. I just want to watch some stupid show on Netflix or, or whatever, just relax. But anyway, we're, you know, we're kind of hoping this, uh, she's actually doing really well. I, yeah, I kid good. a little bit. She's, um, She's she's actually very motivated she to do as much as she can. And I'm, my concern is she's going to overdo it. And I told her tonight, I said, mm -hmm. look, I don't, it's not that I don't want you to be doing a lot of shit, but l let's not prolong <laughs> yes, Yeah, yeah. Let let's it heal. Let's not overdo it. Let's yeah. not make this this rehab longer than it needs to be. Let's, uh, let's moderate. Let's yeah. do it. Make sure we're doing what they're telling us to do. But let's not overdo it. Because yeah. the sooner you get better, the more normal my life looks, right? Well, for her too. I mean, I think for Elaine, once 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 things get back to a mostly good, you know, you'll be back to basically doing what you do, except your hip. Your, I mean, your knee will be bionic oh, yeah. at that point. Right, right. You know, so I mean, the sooner you can get to there, the better, right? Just in dudes, general, dudes. I don't think you understand the gravity of this situation. I had to do my own laundry. Oh what? Oh my yeah. god. Do they, do they, does anything even fit anymore or what? Dude, the, the whites are red and the reds are white. Okay. Did you run out of Cheetos and sandwiches for lunch? Dude, I just don't even take a lunch to work now. Oh. You're just door dashing it? I just go into the vending machine, right? Oh. Getting pretzels. Oh. There you go. Just it's winging sad. it or fasting. And then, so she, I don't know, she, before she went into surgery, she, had went and bought all kinds of like groceries and made a bunch of pre-made meals. And I just bring shit home. Yeah. I just yeah. I like stop and get a pizza or I stop and get some Arby's or I stop and whatever. I, you know, I'm not, cause you know, when you, when you cook, that means you have to do dishes. This is true. Yeah. It kind of all unravels in front of you <laughs> in order to gain that. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> and we've been eating on paper plates because that's how I roll. Yeah. Yeah. And she really can't fight me right now because she's not in a position to fight that. Right. right. Well, and if she tries, you just go, all you have to do is slowly back away. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and even I can outrun her right now. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. I've got all the power in this, in this little dynamic. Yep. Yeah. No, seriously though, it's, it's, it's going good. She's healing up. Work is just work and there's never going to get away from that. Um, yeah. You know, it's, um, it is what um, it is. They compensate me well for what I do, so I shouldn't bitch too much about it. It's just exhausting at times, right? Yeah, yeah. It and, can be. Um, you know, you you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording, and I, I, you know, you guys may have had a conversation, or maybe I was even there and don't remember, but I think, uh, you know, and we've had some emails to the topic, but you know, I think we're going to have a pretty in when Scott's here here in the near future. We're probably going to try to do a good show on on balance. You know, how do you achieve a work family heli balance, right? Plus, there's other hobbies. I got other hobbies too, guys. I don't, you know, I just, uh, there's yeah. other shit I like to do, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, to bake. 
I'm a big fan. Yeah. Wait. Right? What bait? Two bait. Two two bait. T U B E. You forgot master eight. in front of it. Yeah, I'm confused. Yeah, well, some of you will get that, and some of you will Google it, and you'll go, "Oh, he's a fucking." <laughs> right. So that shows would be a good a good topic. I know a lot of listeners would like to. Oh, hear that. seriously, yeah. I'd be you know, there's a lot yeah. of, and and that's kind of what I'm facing right now. And you know, Nick, he he's got a big travel schedule there, so you know, yeah, his situation is a little bit different. I don't. I mean, I'm home. I mean, if I, hey. But I think he's probably got some wisdom to share with us about how to balance work and life and flying his heli. Sure. He's making it happen somehow. I don't mm -hmm. know, man. I think it's just a, <laughs> it's a daily struggle for all of us, uh, but we'll talk about yeah. it more. Yep. Yeah. So that's really, uh, that's really all I've been up to. I even, you know, to be honest, there's really no excuses. I've got the Logo 200. It flies in my yard. I just, frankly, I've just haven't had the energy. Uh, yeah, to even do it. Yeah, to focus uh, on it. I, I'd like, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm kidding myself. I don't know if I'm lying to myself. But I, I often say, God, if it were summer, it'd be different. I, I don't know. Maybe it would. Days are longer. It's, it's more pleasant to be outside. Me, you know, uh, I used to in the summer when the weather was nice. Even when I'd have long days at work, I'd still get home at six or seven and still have an hour and a half out of the flying field. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Not the case in the winter. Yeah. Totally. Well, and when I was younger, dude, I would actually like, I'd bring my helis to work and go on my lunch break and go fly at the school that was right next to where I worked yeah. at when I had to go in yeah. and after work. Sometimes, even if it was a stressful day in my mind, in my subconscious, part of me stopping to fly, I would choose to fly more aggressively. I was like burning off steam or something. I was having this reset that it was happening. And maybe it's the weather right now is why it's, you're not attaining that. I feel the same way too. You know, you don't feel like you can use it as that have this like closure. To me, sometimes it was like, okay, well, I did all that stupid bullshit, so here's my release, you know? Yeah. I used and, to bring helis to work with me, too, and fly at launch. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, there's nowhere to nowhere close to do it where I work now. I mean, I work in the inner city, damn near. Yeah, right. Uh, so, probably get the cops called on me. That'd be fun, right? Where's Dan? Dude, oh, he's, uh, he's in jail. Okay. <clears throat> Right. Dude, I will say, after um, nailing the guy wire with the Fusion 550, or the Fusion 50, I will say I flew there a lot less, if really at all. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, it was daily, like multiple times a day in the parking lot in the back where nobody parked over the warehouse and shit. And everybody right. knew that I did. It hung on my cube. It was just Rob was the heli guy. You know what I mean? And, and my consciousness shifted after I, that happened. And I was like, no, nah, you know, I don't know. So I just yeah. didn't do it. But when I came back, I flew drones there all the time but until I came home, you know, so. Well, you're boring me, Rob. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. All right. Fuck off. <laughs> then you were the target bag guy. <laughs> That's where yeah. the target bag came I from. I just woke up it from is. Rob's uh, talking Did you just wake up? Yeah, you didn't miss much. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't miss much. It'll be all right. You can, all right. you can, all, dude, I tell you what, just, just listen to the show. You'll catch up but even then you're like wow i really didn't miss anything did i yeah it was worth the five minute power nap <laughs> i think maybe hey, it's time for some news no rob no the answer is no we're doing news now release at the end there dude that you should go see a doctor that doesn't sound healthy man sound like dude, you just that one hurt some cyanide out. or something dude, that was a bad that, one 
bagel response when you do that. That can stop your yeah. heart. Does so it you prolapse, know. dude? <laughs> okay, Nick. I uh, I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> news. You say news after oh, news. that. You tell us newsworthy newsworthy items. Oh. Let's turn that uh, this this around here. So yeah, plenty of news this week. You know, in the last few weeks, there's been a lot of news and announcements of new helicopters, whether teasing photos or all kinds of stuff. Uh, this week, we're starting to see a lot of them arrive in the hands of team pilots and content creators. So if you're into unboxing videos or build videos, it's kind of a lot going on to see this week. You can find multiple unboxing videos of the Align TB70. You can see some building and flying videos of the Goose Guy RS4, some flying videos of the OMP M4, some uh photos of the m4 starting to appear uh and even some pictures of the specter v2 nitro kit parts from some of the team guys starting to receive those so just take a quick look around social media youtube channels uh, for any of those brands and you'll find plenty to watch if you're interested in any of those heli porn yes sir hey can i interject before you move on to the next topic i think that's the idea so has anybody watched any of the i I tried to at work, like I, but I can't. I mean, I, it's, it's very unsatisfying to listen to a build video. <laughs> so, has any, are, have you guys watched any of the Align build videos? Yes, I watched one, and I have to say, you know what? I like it. I like the way the build is. There's so many pieces of it that are really thoughtful. I didn't watch the whole thing, so I, I mean, I can't sit here and give you a dissertation on it. There's just a lot of little neat things, like how some of the screws for the inside frame plates are recessed, the outside frame plates has got access to it. Everything is just, they thought about, okay, well, when this happens, this is how, you know, and it's, I liked it. It just looks nice too. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, one of those users like West Hobbies RC or something do the front to back and go out and fly and stuff, you know, when that comes. But that's, yeah. So I watched them and I think it's cool. Yeah, I've done the same. So HeliDirect got sent an early, uh, you know, kit to play with. And I've seen a bunch of clips of the build video we're working on. I will say fit and finish looks very good. The the finish on the, you know, all of the CNC parts looks great. You know, looks of high quality, the way the kit goes together. I'm, I'm intrigued to feel one up close just for the way this sort of plastic attached to the carbon side frames is, but it seems yeah. like a good idea and helps space things out accordingly. And from what I hear, it's going together pretty smoothly without any right. issues. So, you know, it seems like a, a decent quality kit. Yeah, the servo geometry is interesting. Yeah, I'm how wide. Yeah, but I'm curious how wide it is at the top front because the two front cyclic servos are horizontal. You know, in the raw, they were you know stacked in an angle, and it's yep. like those early goblins was it the 570 <laughs> that had that same arrangement yep. where it was kind of a really wide. And, yeah, and I'm I don't know I, I don't think I've seen the TV70 canopy from the front to see if it's noticeable and looks extra wide or whether it's well hidden. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be cool to see that. But so because the only reason I bring up geometry is because I know the topic has come up. It's starting to bubble up around where people are like, what about geometry is this and that and whatever. So if we're talking about that, the aileron, the way the aileron servos are on the TB70, those arcs are going to be exactly the same on both sides and complementary to each other as you're rolling and stuff, too. And the way the elevator arc is, there's no um, side to side motion that that arm would ever do. It's only slightly front to back coming forwards and away from the shaft. And so there isn't any sort of uh, aileron interaction that would happen from an elevator either. So if we're talking geometry, dude, a line nailed it. So that's my Well, in theory, you have no idea, right? I mean, 
Right. I mean, in theory, when you watch it move around and you visualize it all, that's, I mean, if that's, that was the discussion people were having, right, is putting pen to paper and showing these arcs on screenshots and this and that. And so if we're looking at that, this one solves all of those problems people were saying were happening to the other ones. And I don't know, in flight, that's a whole different thing, right? All right. Moving along. All right. Derailed. Rerailed. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, so speaking of videos, Nick Maxwell and Heli Direct are now ready to launch their Behind the Build Masterclass video. Uh, video is expected to be available starting at 12 noon Eastern on Friday, January 27th, which uh, theoretically is the day this episode comes out. Uh, it'll be available at helidirect.com. Uh, the video has been done for a while, but it uh, turns out building a platform that you can stream a video from safely, meaning you know no piracy, not easy to download and copy, etc., uh, it takes a minute, especially for a company that's, you know, really based on selling actual things that you have inventory of on a shelf. Um, so that was the only delay there. I know they were hoping to get it out, you know, around the time of the holidays, but it's now ready to go. So if you're interested, you can check that out on Friday. The price for the video download, this is a four hour video, will be $49.99. And again, that's available at helidirect.com. Nice. That's pretty cool. So that'll basically cover It's almost like a video version of having a detailed manual at that point. Yeah, so what the video is, in case you haven't heard at this point, I know we've talked about it a little bit here, but uh, behind the build is uh, a video of Nick Maxwell essentially sharing all of the helicopter building tips that he knows, like all of his methods, the tools he used, the the lubrications he uses, the you know the thread lockers he uses, you know all of the materials um, and extra supplies and accessories that he uses to build a helicopter. It's how he, yeah, you know all the the ticks, trips and uh, trips. Let's try that again. Tips and tricks. That's better. Uh, <laughs> he's learned, you know, from all the other pros he's been around for years and how he puts his competition machines together. So in the video, he builds a, a Spectre V2 NME edition, um, but it's really meant to be universal to, you know, all helicopter builds. So yeah, I'm a little biased because I was cool. there filming it. So it was a lot of fun. I learned a ton while I was there, so I would recommend it. I think you'll get a lot out of it, but uh, check it out if that's something that interests you. That's really cool, man. I talked to earlier in the show about trying to figure out ways to tighten up my helicopter and something like that might be uh, one uh, resource of knowledge that I would like having. That's pretty rad. All right. So last week we did an episode about uh, the tools we bring to the field and we put uh, what was kind of unannounced as a contest on our Facebook page where we just listed four of our toolkits. You had to guess. Number one, I thought it was interesting that nobody guessed Devon for any of them. I didn't tell them that Devon wasn't included, but no one mm -hmm. looked at these toolkits and thought Devon. So I, I honestly have no idea what that says about you, Devon. I just thought it was interesting. I don't know if yeah. that's good or bad. Well, let's no, be know. fair. Devon doesn't have a toolkit. He's got a McToon. Yeah, that's true. They were probably <laughs> yeah. just assumed it was, it was all your would, He would toolkit. need a picture of his dad. Then they would have been able to figure it out. But the first person to get it right was Curtis Beck. Curtis, if you're listening and you send me a message at either NickWisdomRC on Facebook or you hit me up at NickWisdom at RCHNV3.com, I've got a free all and an RCHN sticker I'll send your way. So shoot me your address uh, via Messenger and uh, congrats Aww. on winning that. Oh, that's sweet. Aww. That's cool. Awesome. On, on that same subject, uh, John Bean sent us a photo today of uh, his tool bag. So he went out and picked up the ProTech uh, RC tool bag that Scott and I use and uh, put all his tools in it, sent us a photo. So shout out to you, John. Things are looking good there. Uh, so thanks for the feedback on that episode. And thanks for playing yeah, our little shenanigans up. game. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Just for the record, my yeah. bag was the best of the bunch. Yeah, it was the softest you were the of the best bunch. equipped if you find a mouse at the field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
the field mice. That's right. All right. Or if you need comfort after crashing, you can just lay there and pet it and have it purr at you and say, it'll be okay. That's true. It's like a, what do you call it? Emotional support animal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. In other news, a miniature aircraft who's been dribbling bits and pieces about their 600 size interceptor gasser helicopter. Uh, This week, they announced the pre-orders for that helicopter will open in mid-February. Still no word on a price yet. Um, We've seen yet more renders of this helicopter. Now, this one shows it in a different color than the first ones did. So I expect that's a solid indication you will see it available in uh, a few different color canopy choices. But uh, no confirmation on that as of yet. Dude, that thing looks kind of cool. If I was ever to, like, want to dabble in the gasser world, I feel like something that size would be just the right one. What's up? Here next buy one. Yeah. No. Yes. Oh, that's it's not buying one. Oh, that I don't is a flat-out lie. That's not a rumor. No, I have nothing against the helicopter. You know, just gassers are not for me personally, but I do know a lot of folks that are interested in them have liked yeah. it. I know uh, Devin's dad has put that motor in the Oxy Five conversion he did recently. It sounds like he's been really happy with it. So, you know, I've seen some folks who were very excited for it. So, good for them. I'm glad to see you know miniature aircraft still putting out new helicopters. So, uh, it's got to be a good thing. All right. Uh, speaking of new helicopters, OMP has released more details about their 380-sized M4 helicopter that's on the horizon now. So they released some renders of what the completed helicopter will look like. So now we've gotten a glimpse, at least render-wise, uh, with the canopy off and can take a look. We can see now that the battery for the helicopter is going to sit on top of the battery tray and mount up front on top of the frames. Similar to a lot of 380-size uh, helicopters, what they've done in the past, although it is on a tray this time versus just a plate with a Velcro strap. Other items of note in the render show that the tail servo is mounted in kind of a unique spot. It's underneath the direct drive motor around somewhere roughly around the center line of the main shaft. So it's way back. It's not, you know, at the base of the tail boom. It's about, you know, right under the main shaft. So kind of a unique position there. I'm not sure why it's quite so far forward unless it's just a CG thing. Bit of a lengthy push rod, but obviously on a 380, that's, you know, I'm sure carbon is more than up to that challenge. So I'm a little curious why they made that decision, but I'm sure it's fine. I certainly don't think it's a bad thing. It's just an interesting thing. Uh, The ESC looks like it's going to mount on a tray under the battery up front, and the skids on it appear to be fully molded, similar to uh, their other helicopters, kind of like the M1 uh, and the Goose Guy S2, those sort of molded uh, skids, which have held up really well. So that's a great thing. And then by the looks of things, you're definitely going to have to remove the canopy to change batteries, which is a little different than the RAW 420 or Goose Guy RS4, uh, where you don't have to. So if that's something that irks you, it's just something to consider. Also of note in this helicopter is that unlike the Goose Guy RS4, all of the linkages are adjustable. Again, not a good or a bad thing, just a different thing. And then also no word on when pre-orders will open yet or when the helicopter will ship. But with Chinese New Year going on right now, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to ship until the Chinese New Year celebrations are over. And I wouldn't expect it in hands. My guess right now is sort of late February, March uh, as a guess. So we'll keep seeing some information dribble out about it. But uh, don't expect to see pre-orders open. I know there's some initial deposits being accepted at at one place in the UK, but pre-orders are not open yet. But they should be, I would think, in the next, you know, certainly within the next month. Yeah. So it's right around the corner. Um, otherwise, it looks like a nice looking heli. I'm you know, anxious to see some actual photos versus renders uh, under the canopy and see how it goes together. But it looks good. And then in V-Control news, we've had some users of the new. So in Europe, they're starting to ship now. So the V-Control Evo transmitter is shipping. Uh, the Neo should ship very soon. I think end of this month in Europe. And uh, one of the users posted a photo of a new app available on the V-Control called the V-Bar Evo Oscilloscope Pro. So no idea what this app does yet. Obviously, some sort of, you know, graphing oscilloscope related tasks 
So another tool that will be available with V-Control. Not sure what it does. Any guesses what an oscilloscope app might cover? Uh, Hertz. Yeah, like vibration. Uh, There's already vibration in the original, but maybe this is the new location where it'll be monitored. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Refresh rates on control loops? I mean... Maybe. It could be that. lots of shit you can measure with an oscilloscope. I know. It's kind of an open-ended thing. So curious what that app does. Certainly, if anybody has any information on that they want to share... They can do that. Uh, you can, of course, go over to vstabby.com and ask that question. But vstabby is like stabbing yourself in the eye, as far as I'm concerned. It's a bit of an old school uh, form that takes forever to get an answer on. So <laughs> I have not ventured over there. Like PHP. Yeah. <laughs> PHP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Well, what else did we hear? All right. So SAB announced their iconic helicopters. This is the Black Nitro, Black Thunder, and the original. Uh, 700 will go up for sale on January 30th. However, I had a quick chat with Bert over at SAB USA, and I now understand how the sale is going to go down here in the United States and worldwide for that matter. So it's 50 of each kit worldwide. It's not 50 in Europe, 50 in the US. It's 50 worldwide. Uh, So I guessed wrong in earlier episodes. So the US dealers are permitted to sell their inventory essentially starting now. So they're allowed to sell it before January 30th. But there's only been allocated a small amount of inventory. So reach out to your favorite, you know, SAB retailer, see what they have in stock. You know, like they only get a tiny allocation each. So they may not get all three helicopters. They may only get two of each, you know, unknown at this point. Not all of the helicopters have left the factory yet. So if you want one, I would recommend checking your favorite retailer's website. And then if they're not listed there, I would call them because they may be able to get an allocation. They may be able to order one from the factory. So if you don't see it and you're really interested in one, call your favorite SAB retailer and uh, see if they're able to get you one. But it's only 50 worldwide, so they'll go fast. From what I understand, the, the OG 700s are selling really well really quickly. So um, yeah. those may disappear the fastest, which is not what I would have guessed, but uh, we'll see. I might, I might go to Bird's site and buy one of those tonight. Which one? Dude, <sighs> do it. The nitro, of course. Dude, it's going to be like a collector's item eventually, it seems like. Holy yeah, just crap. Just like put it on a shelf and don't crash it. Have they talked about parts support? Yeah, they have. So they've guaranteed that they're going to offer part support. They haven't um, said how long they'll do so, but I know plenty of folks who've you know held on to their black nitros and others are excited that parts are available again. So I expect a bunch of folks will stock up once they become. I know available. Scott likes that machine. Yeah. So uh, and I know Nick Len used to love it. So I don't know. Maybe I'm going to spend some of this hard-earned money I've been making over the last three weeks on a helicopter. Yeah, I do. don't. I don't need one. So (laughs) I was going to say, don't we have you quoted like two episodes ago or three episodes ago saying like, I'm good. I don't need any helicopters this year. (laughs) I I simply don't. Don't worry. I'm pretty sure I said the same thing and I'll cave at some point this year. So yeah, you throw it right back at me. So speaking of the OMP M4 and V control, there was a discussion I spotted online. I meant to bring this up earlier, but uh, so Brian Barrow of Mikado USA chimed in on this conversation about Will Mikado release a version of the OMP M4? So the Logo 200 is essentially an OMP Hobby M2 with some, you know, new canopy and some minor cosmetic changes and then a V-Bar Mini uh, Neo on top. And the question was, will they do the same with the OMP M4 and release a Logo 380 essentially? And Brian said, uh, that's very unlikely. So don't get there. I'm going to just quote this response. I uh, says, don't get your hopes up. They've got no active helicopter designer now that uh, Dahl, meaning Kyle Dahl, went to work for Scorpion full time. They're more focused on electronics in recent years. So 
definitely sounds like if you're thinking that Mikado might release a version of the M4, that's unlikely. Uh, and certainly if you're expecting a new logo helicopter, you know, Brian Bear just speaks for Mikado USA, but it certainly sounds like a new logo helicopter is probably not on the horizon. Again, a little bit of rumor, a little bit of, you know, a, someone in the know giving us some updates, but, uh, you know, don't get your hopes up there. Hmm. That'd be kind of neat if they did one, but I could see why they're not. Yeah, it would be great if they sort of, you know, refurbished line. I mean, they're great helicopters, but, you know, the last time they released a new one that wasn't the Logo 200 is, uh, you know, it's coming up on a while at this point. It's been a day or two. Yeah, which is a shame because they're great helicopters. So, loved me my Logo 480s. I don't know why I sold those other than I can't help but buy and sell helicopters constantly. But great Ellie's. It's an addiction. It really is. We'll have an intervention. No, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to face my own demons. Yeah. It's the addiction that fuels our podcast. <laughs> is that it for news or do you got anything further? I got one more. So we got some oh, news of the week. We'll news probably of the week. rope Devin into some of this one too. But uh, so oh, why is, is this still here? news of the week before I get any? He should still be here. I hope so. Devin, Devin are you still here? Devin? Of course. Oh, okay. Just check. I listen. Oh, that's not the point of doing, making a podcast. <laughs> I'm listening and coming up with formal responses. Gotcha. <laughs> so you don't have, you don't have a lot to say. Is what you're getting at. No, not a lot to say. All right. You, you might have something to say. I'm going to suck you in on this one a little bit. So stand by. Pay attention. All right, here we go. <laughs> news of the week. Why is this the news of the week? Because it just plain makes me happy to see Oxy back in action. So Oxy Helicopter put out a news flash. Get it? See what it is there? Uh, yes. I do see what you did there. Are you proud of yourself? I, I kind of am. All right. So they did put out a news release about the flash. So some details they released are now that the all-up kit weight will be less than two kilograms. And they, presumably Luca, uh, goes on to say that, quote, it's ideally designed for a lightweight setup, end quote. Uh, they say that the ready-to-fly weight should vary from between four to five kilograms and can spin blades up to 700 millimeters, but no longer. And then go on to say that many pilots that have been flying the Flash, according to Oxy, actually prefer it on 685 millimeter blades. Uh, they say you can fly it on 6 to 12S and run motors from 40, 30 size on up from there. So, wow. which is interesting, right? Like 40, 30 is definitely Puma style. So essentially yeah. Oxy's coming out and saying like, hey, this is a lightweight 700 and should be treated much like the Puma is. So you can run it 6 to 12S. You can, uh, you know, run, put a 40, 30 in it and go 6, 7, 8S, 10S, whatever, and run a pretty lightweight setup. Uh, and I think that is really what all these pinion choices are coming out for. So if you want to plan your gearing, uh, and by the way, if you don't know how to work out your gearing for a helicopter and RPM, you should check out our recent episode on the subject. We'll show you how to do that. But uh, the main gear is 115 teeth, and the stock pinion is an 11 tooth, so it's kind of meant for around 1,800 to 1,900 RPM stock. Um, but obviously, this is all dependent on your motor KB. But there's going to be an optional, as Devin said earlier, 12, 13, and 14 tooth motor pinion. Uh, there are also some optional tail pulleys coming out. And we have a price now. So retail price of the kit is a very competitive 899 US dollars. So very fair price for a 700. Yeah. And the kits are now expected to ship in early February. So that's shipping to distributors, et cetera. So maybe by the end of February, we're seeing kits in uh, regular folks' hands. Uh, so not much longer of a wait. So I'm, I'm, number one, just excited to see Oxy. Like actually release the flash. It's awesome. It's it's the sort of closure of their comeback. So good for them. Yeah. Uh, but but Devin, I was going to ask you if any of the team guys have really 
taken this Puma style? Well, two questions really. One, have any of the team guys gone Puma style? I know last week you were saying that, you know, for the most part, everybody's been sort of testing it at higher RPMs. And two, with a lightweight 700, you know, we saw the Puma put a limit of 2000 RPM on the helicopter and say that they don't recommend exceeding that. Uh, what about with the Oxy? Any limits on RPM that we expect for this helicopter being that it's a little more lightweight or, you know, usual 2300 RPM kind of max for a 700? So the highest RPM that I had seen run by one of our teammates was 2400 on the head uh, on the 12S setup. And that's what he flew most of it at. So we know it's good up to 2400 and I'm expecting it to be able to exceed that as well. If it's yeah. anything like our past helis, they all have been able to perform really well. Like I said, I run my Oxy 5 at 3,000 RPM, and it does fine. Yeah. Was that um, on like 680 blades or 700s or what? So we, it's actually funny because actually basically all the five of us that are doing the main testing of it are all running 685 spins. Like yeah, the 685s, they feel, we think they feel the best for us. In our sure. style. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit smaller of a blade, but spin is a little bit different when it comes to blade sizes because 685 is basically the closest you can get to a 700 blade in spin. The next up is 720. So that's what most of us are running. I'm sure if you wanted to put some Azores on there, they would, they would fit fine as well, as long yeah. as you went with the, with the, sh the little bit shorter than 700s. But it's great. I mean, I run... I'm running my flash on a 4530, 525 KV. Yeah. And it's an absolute powerhouse. Yeah, sounds like it. And you're running what, like 12S 5100s, something like that? I'm running 12S 5500s. Oh, so plenty heavy. Yeah, it's, it's got some weight to it, but then I do also have some 5100s for a little, that are a little bit lighter. So it sounds like it's going to be a really flexible platform but without the RPM limits that the Puma had necessarily where, you know, with the much smaller head, really a 600 size head on the Puma, they really limited it to, you know, around 2000 RPM. Yeah, um, no, this has a, this has a full size, what you would consider as a 700 class head. It's, it's beefy. It really is. It's massive. Yeah. Nice. So you can turn it up if you want to really. So yes. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I'm sure I, I'm yep. going to. I'll probably take it up to 24, 25 and see how it does. Yeah, dude. That's going to be That's a, cool. a I, mean sounding flight. I feel like if I were to pick one up, I'd probably go 12S 4000 milliamps on 700 millimeter blades. And so slightly lighter battery load, slightly lighter disc loading. And I bet I would really like it. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a great flying heli. It really, it really does. It, it performs well, even with the, the big, 5500 12s stick packs in there because they're not light batteries i mean the heli's light overall it, we since we announced the weight of two kilograms it's a light heli and the batteries aren't light and it carries that fine you don't have any weird shakes or anything like that very solid and rigid so it's it's performing great for what it was designed for awesome well excited to see those uh in folks hands i know there's a lot of folks who've been patiently waiting so Start saving your pennies, get your checkbooks ready, uh, and look for it in February. And uh, with that, that's all I got for the news this week. Bringing you the wisdom of the news. Anybody else have anything? I'm going to take that as a no.
Hey guys, you're not going to believe who we have here today. Who's that? Nick. Maxwell. Uh, you guys thought I was going to say Nick Wisdom, didn't you? Oh, you fuck. The other <laughs> Nick. Okay, we got Nick Maxwell. Yeah, buddy. Hey, Nick. How's it going? <laughs> good. How about you guys? Uh, pretty good. You know, you. I don't know if you remember, but we've had you on RCHN before. Do you remember that? It was Snow Homish. It was one of our live shows. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And you and... Uh, I can't remember else who we had on that night, but you guys were doing the uh, training, I think, at Snohomish. The uh, you know how you, you know how you guys used to do that uh, that little school. You and uh, yeah, that guy? Matt, yeah, Matt Botus. Yeah, Matt Botus. Yeah, yep. That was a lot uh, of fun. Yeah, it was. That was a great event too. I always liked yeah, going was, out there. Are you uh, going to head out that way this next summer, uh, or do you know yet? Yeah, I'm not sure. Usually, usually they end up emailing with dates, and I know they changed the dates last year because of uh, Marco's uh, son was being born. So right. I don't know when they're going to do it this year. Well, we're going to get right into this. So we're going to let uh, our own Nick kind of start this interview. We're going to talk about uh, what Nick's been up to, kind of find out what's going on and uh, what we can look forward to in the future. Right on. Well, welcome, Nick, to RCHN. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so... We announced uh, in our new segment or earlier in this episode uh, about your new behind the build video that's coming on. I know that's kind of why you're coming on to talk to us today. So we'll start by just chatting about that a little bit. So uh, we told our listeners that uh, the episode is uh, or the video, I should say, is being released today. So as uh, this episode is released, uh, so is your video. So, Nick, I know you've kind of been making the rounds talking about your behind the build video uh, that's going to be released as listeners are listening to this episode. But, you know, I want to give you a chance to explain to our listeners uh, what that video is. What is behind the build? What's the video about? And just give us a little bit of background on it. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a collaboration between uh, Heli Direct and myself to try to uh, come up with a way to support new pilots uh, as well as even just experienced pilots uh, that have constantly been asking questions or wondering, uh, you know, how to get their helicopter smoother. Um, I encounter a lot of people at events and, you know, when you go somewhere and you fly your helicopter and you put it into 2200 RPM and it's just dead smooth. Um, sometimes, you know, when you build a helicopter, they're, they're not all that way. Um, and so you've got to troubleshoot how to get there. Uh, and so, you know, every manufacturer, uh, when you mass produce these helicopters, there's small little differences between every helicopter. They make thousands of these parts. It's impossible to make everything perfect. Um, so hopefully this video will help uh, kind of go through just any helicopter and uh, show you how to get the most out of what, what you're building so that you can have success as well. Yeah, what, uh, what helicopter are you building in the video? Uh, in the video, I'm building a Spectre uh, 700 V2. Um, but the general techniques are not specific to that helicopter they work for just about everything uh, most helicopters on the market are very similar in terms of you know they all have rotor heads they all have main shafts they all have gears um, some have belts stuff like that um, so we kind of touch on a little bit of everything um, with the main idea of taking a helicopter from the box and going to the first flight and not having to you know rip your hair out trying to find a vibration or a noise or a rattle yeah what, uh, like, what's your target audience for the video? Like, is this aimed at beginner builders, intermediate expert builders? Uh, really, it's aimed at anybody. Um, I mean, a, a beginner is going to probably get the most out of it, I would say, because um, 
they're going to, they just don't have a lot of the experience or they may have never ran into the problem before. Um, but even an experience builder, I mean, there's very few people that do this for a living and do it every day. Um, so I know, like I have other hobbies outside of helicopters and if, uh, if somebody who did it every day would, would offer some of those techniques. So that way, you know, you see those same guys and they go to the events and every event their helicopter runs pretty smooth. Um, you know, it's hard to reproduce that sometimes. And so, uh, really for anybody, you know, that just is flies helicopters. I mean, you you can always learn things from everybody. And and that's the cool thing is I'm really hoping that I get emails from people and say, Oh, well, I do this too. And it works really well. Um, and then I end up learning something else from it as well. So it's, it's kind of a collaborative thing of, uh, information that I've learned from other people over the years. Uh, and uh, just kind of, I guess, community. It's more of a uh, thing for helicopter people to to think about using that technique or comparing it to the techniques they currently use or something like that. Yeah, right on. So, you know, on a personal note, you know, I was there recording the video with you. Uh, and, you know, I've merged a lot of the techniques that you, sh- you know, demonstrated there into my building, you know, I have kind of a reputation on the show being a little bit of an OCD builder. So I really took to no. the, the techniques you use a lot. But anyway, the guys on this podcast, Scott in particular, who's not with us tonight, but uh, likes to bust my chops about it and says, maybe I go a little too far. So for the guys that like, maybe they're more like SAB kit builders, which I think are, you know, SAB kits in general, I think are a little more tolerant to not being super particular about the details. You know, what do you say to those folks that say, is the OCD, the extra effort really worth it? Like, what's the advantage of really going the extra mile to, to get the precision in the build? Uh, in a lot of cases, you can't really see the difference. So, yeah, of course, if you if you have a helicopter that with a tail fin that's buzzing, that's one thing. Um, but if you do this on any helicopter, just because you don't see it or you don't notice it doesn't mean it's not happening. Um, so specifically with things like, for example, one helicopter may have more rigid tail fin than the other one. So a vibration is going to show up in one that if you slap that tail fin on another helicopter, it's not going to show up, you know. Um, so it, it's more yeah. kind of a, um, this, is, this is a technique that will, will work and it'll prevent this from happening. Um, and so even if on a helicopter, say you don't notice that you've got a vibration or you have a performance problem, it may make your servos last longer. Vibration kills servos. So, um, the, you know, the best way to make, get the most out of your servos and get the most out of the bearings. Um, it seems like you're always going through one bearing and then your buddy's not. Um, obviously, there's something different between how the two systems are running. Um, and, and so things like this could help eliminate that so that everything just lasts longer. These, these things are big investments. You know, when you go out and you buy a whole... 700 size helicopter um and then in 300 400 flights you wear something out it's <laughs> it's, it's not good they should last a long time so yeah yeah so yeah, I'd, i i want to go down another track w- w- in particular in regards to this video that you guys made uh but i want to preface it with a few things and you did kind of touch on some of it, but I'd kind of like to dig a little deeper into that. Can, can you, can we talk a little bit about in today's world, there's a plethora of information out there available to every hobbyist uh, uh, at, at their fingertips. 
Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about what is the what differentiates this video from all that other information? Um, well, some of it, some of it could be redundant. Um, you know, I mean, there's lots of techniques that I see that people post on Facebook and stuff. And I sit there and I go, oh, I do that same thing. Um, and if I happen to see it, I'll definitely click the like button. And I've learned things from people, you know, posting on there as well. So it's not just an end all be all. This right. is how you should do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. Um, but I, I do have to say that I kind of, I very much live my life a little bit by the kind of put up or shut up sort of thing. Um, and so sometimes you do see things on the internet and it's like, okay, that guy's saying that, but I've also never seen him get through a flight at a fun fly. So I hope that, you know, obviously um, the biggest thing for me was competition. Uh, years ago, competition was really popular in helicopters. Um, and I was a terrible builder. Um, my dad was a good builder, but as I started taking over, um, and as I started flying more aggressively, uh, I had stuff fail all the time. Um, my first, one of my first extreme flight championships, uh, I got dead last just because my boom sports fell off twice. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah. and, and what would happen is I started flying F3C first. So, uh, we built my helicopters for F3C. And then as I started doing 3D and flying harder, those techniques didn't work anymore. <laughs> Um, you know, an F3C guy can just take and put a little piece of double-sided tape on their receiver and it's fine for 19 years, you know? Um, but a 3D helicopter, you're going to launch that thing off there in a month. (laughs) Um, so, uh, well, you might launch that thing off there in a month. (laughs) Let me just say that. Because I have some shit that's been double-sided tape for years. And it's never even come close. I mean, I might knock it off. By dropping the helicopter, uh, but I get your point is well taken. I get, I get, and yeah. it, it, yeah. as a side note, just kind of a quick little, when I showed up the first time I met Scott, he, he looked at my double-sided taped e- ESC and, and kind of gave me the, <laughs> he kind of gave me the stink eyes like, are you sure? <laughs> I'm like, dude, trust me, the way I fly this, this ESC, <laughs> this ESC is safe, man. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. But as, as you advance, um, right, I get it. that, that yeah. might not work. Um, right. So, and I think, I, I hope everybody is constantly advancing as they fly. Um, so, but anyways, things, things like that. Um, and so I had a really good group of, of people that supported me when I was growing up and still, you know, a few of them aren't here anymore, but, uh, you know, my close little circle of friends that I work with on projects and stuff like that. Um, but you know, some of them don't do Facebook. Some of them don't do the internet. Some of them don't go to fun flies that much. Some of them aren't even helicopter people. They're just people we knew that we said, Hey, this is the situation where we need to do. Um, so I think my situation is also, it's, a, I'm available to try to take all of these different things and I can find an outlet to share. them. So that was another right. reason to pair with HeliDirect and do this is because, um, you know, it, it's not secret information. It's not special information. It's just I've been lucky enough to get it collaborative from various different people. So this is a good way to maybe help try to share it. No, that's great. I actually think it's a great idea. Um, 
you know, I, I, I mentioned the plethora of information that is available. The problem there is, you know, you got to turn on your filters, right? Um, when you're reading that information and, yeah, and you may end up bouncing around from here to there to the next place, looking and reading and wondering it, I think it would be nice, you know, and as you said, it's not the end all uh, of building, uh, but nonetheless, you know, coming from someone as well-respected in the hobby and who's been doing it as long as you have is going to be of tremendous benefit, I think. Yeah, anyway. agreed. Well, good. I, yeah, I really hope so. Yeah, that's, I mean, every time I go out to a fun fly, um, you know, my stuff's got to work. So um, right. I definitely try to try to make sure that it does. And and uh, I want everybody else to have that same sort of success because it's not fun to go out there and have something fall off and have to fix your expensive helicopter. <laughs> the, the and nothing news, sucks worse though, right? To to crash a helicopter because of a build mistake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd rather just pile it in myself. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm I'm good at that too. So I've I've gotten a lot of practice at these <laughs> rebuilding you, techniques. Wait, 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 wait. You crash? Yeah. Oh Come yeah. On now. <laughs> All the time. Okay. That's unheard of. What? <laughs> I actually I keep a, a a total in my phone. I posted this on the internet. I think since switching to XL, I've crashed 11 times now. So September yeah. tw- 2021, uh, I've had 11. Okay. And there, uh-huh. I, I would assume, I'm, I'm guessing that when you pile it in, it's actually pretty piled in. Like, I, I would assume that you don't just have, like, small little incident where you maybe crack something. I'm sure you pretty much do the kit in when you uh, pile it in, yeah? Um, yeah, I mean, it, dep- it, it, it just all depends how bad I depends screw on what up. You're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it depends yeah. on how bad the screw up is. <laughs> if it's and one of those things. Where you got. Well, you've yeah. got this weird fascination of flying like inches off the ground and, and, uh, you know, under full power. So it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I was never good at hitting throttle hold. I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> it's like giving not... up, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's That's like, I'm, not... I don't want to. I'm not giving up on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I fight it until it's like dead. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, it's funny. You talk about put up or shut up. Uh, I got kind of a two part question here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the first part being, I'm curious out of those 11 crashes, were any of those mechanical or electronics failure or or all pilot error? And then the the second part of this is one of the things that impressed me the most uh, when we were filming was that when you made in the helicopter, you literally put it into a hover for about five seconds, did a little baby auto, adjusted the tracking, and then proceeded to do like a mega hard smackdown flight, like just full bore, full tilt, you know, Nick Maxwell at his finest, and just smacking the crap out of the helicopter. You know, so I'm curious, like, what gives you that confidence on a brand new build to just give it the business, as Rob would say, right out of the gate? Uh, well, uh, so first part of your question regarding the crashes, uh, I've actually got it here. So four of them were at fun flies. So they were just demos. Um, and then the rest of them were either testing something or practicing the practicing ones. They was just me. Um, the ones where I was testing something, obviously part failed, um, whatever, whatever we were trying failed. And <laughs> so maybe that answers that. Um, so I'd say about three quarters of them are just me flying them into the ground. Uh, and then the regarding the taking one straight off the bench and flying it, uh, 
in the build video, I show kind of some of the techniques that make it so you're not really wearing in a helicopter. Um, some things have to wear in, like the gears and stuff like that. You can't sit there and take all the flashing off of the main gear. Uh, that's impossible. Um, and same thing, like the belts are going to stretch a little bit, things like that. Uh, but when I, and I go through this in the video, if you use the correct technique and you use the right tools, and they're not expensive tools, they're cheap tools, Harbor Freight works just fine. It's a toy helicopter. This thing isn't going to space. Um, you can kind of eliminate some of the things that would make you weary of it falling apart or having something wear in. For example, the dampers, uh, you know, they're machine delver and plastic. There's going to be flashing on them. So you may build it. If you don't do any prior cleanup, you build it. And then three flights later, you're like, oh, the dampers are a little sloppy. So, um, you know, in the video I go through of, of how to clean that stuff up so that when you put it together, you're putting it together with how it's going to be in the end. Um, like the number one tool is an Arbor Press. I mean, you want to use an Arbor Press on everything that you can get your hands on uh, to make sure that those bearings are fully seated. So after the first couple flights, you know, you don't have a tick of play in your main shaft. You don't have, a, you don't have all these things that typically guys would notice. Because um, you're green loctiting them in, and you're and you're using the arbor press that they're getting fully seated the first time. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's it. that makes sense totally. Then you just put it out in the air and just go to town. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you know, there's there's stuff like you know you want the loctite to dry on some stuff and stuff like that. But then the other stuff, if you really look at the engineering side of it, some stuff can't fall apart. Like for example, even if you don't loctite a head block. Uh, or a spindle bolt, you know, the force is is going outward. So if the head is built correctly and the bearings aren't locking up, um, really a spindle bolt isn't going to come loose unless you really mess up. Um, right. You can't really unscrew it in flight. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you didn't clean the bolt. So we go over kind of how to clean the bolts to make sure that when you're putting them together, you know, you're actually relying on the bolt to stay tight, not just the Loctite. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, of note that in the video you cover in depth, you know, just basic supplies, all of the various cleaners, um, you know, chemicals, brake cleaners, uh, tools, you know, all the basics as to what you use on the bench to build one exactly like you do. I thought that was pretty cool that it yeah. wasn't just you didn't just jump right into the build. You, you know, laid out all the fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all just cheap stuff. You can get it at Harbor Freight, Walmart, whatever. And as long as you're just pretty religious about it, it works every time. Yeah, that's pretty so, cool because I feel like it fills in the gaps. Like, I can build a heli, I can follow the manual, I can troubleshoot the glaring things after the fact, you know what I'm saying? But I still operate with this kind of this huge boggy space in the in-betweens, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just not broke. I'm just going to go with it, you know what I mean? So to have something like this, like a proverbial Encyclopedia Britannica of if this, then that, you know, or best practices kind of a thing. I think that's great peace of mind. You know what I'm saying? So, At least for the mechanics. Now, I will say, I, I do still fear new electronics. <laughs> I hate putting new electronics in a helicopter. Um, <laughs> but you, you just got to hope that the factory did get juicy. You choose the right brand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of new electronics, I've been kind of looking forward to asking you this question. So you... <laughs> put a post on social media recently that showed a Spectre V2 with the FBL and all the servos scribbled out with the hashtag new year, new gear. 
Now, I don't know if you're ready to talk about that yet, but is there, are you willing to tell us a little bit about what might've been behind the yellow scribble and what you meant by that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I will be honest. I probably posted that a little too soon because there isn't like a product that's ready right now. Um, but the last fall, um, I did decide to go ahead and I left Fataba. Um, so I'm no longer using any of their equipment. Um, oh, wow. And, and I've decided to partner with another uh, brand uh, in the hobby industry that's been around for a long time. Um, as a lot of guys know, uh, I like to try to find performance and I like developing things. And as I got older, when I was in my early 20s, I didn't care at all. I didn't even know how anything worked. I just bolted it together like somebody told me and went out and flew. Um, but as I started to get more interested, um, fly barless units, that was one of those things. Um, I was kind of, I wasn't, the, the, I wasn't the first by any means, but in 2009, I was one of the first guys to, to really adopt fly barless with Curtis's father system. Um, and then ended up the first guy to use it at the 3d masters and win and, and stuff with electric and fly barless there. Um, and I knew that that was the future. So I wanted to learn a lot about that. Um, and I, for, for many years I've had Fataba support, um, which was fantastic. Um, but they're a very big company. And uh, right now, the car market is super important to them. Uh, so as I'm sitting here coming up with all these ideas and wanting to try it, uh, you know, I'll <laughs> email them. And I didn't really have an avenue to try that stuff. So a good friend of mine, um, who's actually a, he's a, he was a robotics engineer at NASA. Um, so he did a lot of their, their coding and stuff for did user interfaces and things like that. Um, I hit him up and I said, hey, you know, I, I really like to do my own fly barless gyro. And so uh, actually about a year and a half ago, we started working on it. Uh, and I had been flying it at home, trying these different ideas. Uh, and then I don't know if I, I had posted a little bit when I went to Australia. Um, I stopped over in Japan for a week and had a couple of meetings. Uh, and it just seemed like a good opportunity for me to, you know, I kind of saw my future with Fataba and, uh, decided that now would be a good time. So uh, eventually I'll be releasing my own fly barless system partnered with a company for all the radio integration and using their service. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's great. RCHN exclusive, suck it, Heliheads. Um, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> so no, that's, seriously, that's, that's, that's awesome. Twiggle, huh? That's great. Well, that's fucking rad, dude. Well, thank you very much. I hope it works. It could fail miserably. You never know. <laughs> um, but we're, we're going to try not to. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's, it's interesting you said that. I actually have one of my next questions that, you know, I was thinking about when we mm -hmm. knew you were coming on was just that, like based on your knowledge of consulting in the aerospace industry, you know, would you ever consider developing your own FBL? So obviously the answer to this is yes. So what, uh, if you yep. can talk about any maybe features of your ideal FBL that maybe aren't on the market that you'd like to see come to fruition? Something yeah. will set yours apart? Express LRS built in. Ooh. <laughs> um, well, yeah, a lot. Um, so in the couple of years that I kind of took helicopters a little slower um, after I stopped managing the business side at Fataba, I went to work at a UAV company um, in their engineering group in the avionics area. Um, and so I got to mess with quite a few different autopilots, like full autopilots, not just, you know, three axis rate controllers, like what we use. Um, and they're doing some things that are absolutely crazy, um, and stuff that at least that I know of is not implemented yet in, 
our helicopter stuff. Um, Ooh. So there's going to be a little bit of that in it. Um, I'm not going to say it's not difficult. It's not revolutionary. I mean, it's, people are doing this in lots of other industries for robots and, and other flying devices and things like that. Um, but I think the, the, the way that the current systems out there, there's, there's two really good systems that I think fly really well, which is obviously the Fataba, um, the CGY 760, uh, and the V-Bar. I mean, if, if anyone says those don't fly well, I think they're smoking crack. I mean, they, they fly great. <laughs> um, obviously, obviously Mikado's user interface is incredible. Um, and everything that they have through their transmitter. Uh, and the Fataba side, I really like the adjustability. Um, but at the same time, it can kind of get you in trouble. So um, my Flybarella system uses a very different setup method uh, that takes a little bit more of the variations of different helicopters into account and puts those into the calculation for the setup. Uh, so as you vary different helicopters, Obviously, we can't do anything inertially. So unless we went out there and told everybody, here, you got to swing test your helicopter. You got to put like a weight and balance sheet in data-wise, which yeah. nobody, nobody wants to do that. <laughs> no. um, <laughs> th there's still going to be some tuning. Um, but the base setup will be very simple. Uh, so you're going to tell it its directions. You're going to measure a few things. You're going to input some numbers that are just, if you've got a pitch gauge, you're good to go. Um, and the first test flight will be a lot closer. Um, you're not going to have to fiddle with, with some smaller things that aren't related to the direct pilot's field. Yeah, like PID loops and shit like that. Yeah, sometimes you start to get a disconnect when you're dug way down in the settings and then kind of lose sight of it, you know. So that's, that's pretty promising. That's promising to hear that. That's rad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I've been, like I said, I've been messing with it where actually just this weekend, uh, I kind of had come up with the setup menus and stuff and it's going to be real easy. It's not it's, it, all the stuff that you, you know, I know the, the Fataba guys say it's complicated. Um, and, and I get where they're coming from. So a lot of that stuff can be automated pretty easy by just some simple math. So, um, I mean, I'm definitely not going to say that it's going to come out and, you know, revolutionize anything without you know putting a gps and a barometer and things like that on it you're not gonna achieve a yeah, whole lot yeah. a whole right. lot more well it's um, not like you're trying to make a like a flight trainer necessarily you just make an fbl unit here so yeah exactly and and try to take advantage of some of the stuff from other industries um like obviously the the guy that's that's doing a lot of the coding for the for the gyro um he worked for nasa for 20 something years doing robotics so there's things he's run into that he's like, oh, that could apply to the helicopter. <laughs> and, so, and we test it, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. For... Yeah. But we've had a Dude, lot of fun. Dude, that's a super interesting project, Nick. That, kudos for you for taking that on, man. That's really cool. Well, I can't thanks, wait yeah, to hear more. Fun. Yeah, I, I, I'll definitely I'll probably fly to Rotor Live and, and uh, at Ken's event, and I'll have it down in Miami and stuff like that. So Nice. So I can't help but want to dig in with a few questions. And if you're not there yet, you know, feel free to pass. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like the biggest thing in FBLs right now is really integration. You know, the ability to, to program from the radio, uh, you know, full telemetry and integration. You know, are there, are there plans to sort of marry your FBL to a specific transmitter or for telemetry, for integration? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, that, so that's on them. Um, obviously, I don't have the resources or the... Um, 
that kind of stuff to make my own transmitter or anything. So I did partner with a, a pretty well-known brand. Um, not necessarily well-known in helicopters that much anymore, but um, I'll let them do their announcing whenever they want to. <laughs> but, right. uh, <laughs> that, yeah. that, one's out, that one's out of my, they're actually licensing the software from me. So that's more their um, uh, side of things. But I yeah. will definitely work for the interface. It'll all be, um, I'll, I'll say right now, their transmitters is Android. So um, it's just like operating, nice. it's just like operating a phone. Um, nice. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the apps and stuff, it'll be, and everything will be saved in the gyro. So it'll be more towards the V-bar side than the Fataba side where you've got um, right. multiple different places to do the same freaking thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that there, there won't be that kind of conflict and things like that. Right on. That's awesome. That's exciting stuff, man. And you think there may be servos as well to go with this or really just a fly barless? I just know uh, you have your servos covered up too. Uh, yeah, it's a whole ecosystem. So um, yeah, they'll have the servos. You'll actually be able to program the servos through the radio, through the gyro. Oh. You, using, Damn, dude. using their servos. Um, obviously, if you're using, it's not limited at all. So actually, this will, the, the flybarless unit, and I was actually pretty excited, even the new company was really for this. Uh, you'll be able to use Fataba S bus. You'll be able to use uh, SRXL, so like Spectrum DSM stuff. Yeah. Um, if you just want to try the gyro and go, okay, I just want to see it. And okay, here's my computer interface so I can do my setup. Um, that is there before you say, okay, I'm going to invest in this higher end transmitter again. How far along is the project? Um, the gyro software is pretty far along just because obviously we were doing it just in the background for a while. Right. Um, the transmitter user interface uh, still needs quite a bit of work and the hardware system uh, we're still testing. So we are hoping, so for the World Championships here in August in Urcha, to have like basically the production system there at Urcha and hopefully maybe 40 or 50 of them there to sell at Urcha. Oh, okay. Wow. So which makes me wonder, what are you going to be competing with at uh, Worlds this year? Uh, well, everything will be the exact same, except it'll have this fly barless system, uh, these servos and this radio. Everything else will be Scorpion XL power. I mean, nothing, nothing really new there. I, I have a couple little ideas to try for stuff, but nothing radical. No, but I mean, you're, you're going to move away from the CGY for Worlds this year and use the new FBL? Yeah, I'm already using it now. Yeah, so, oh. I, yeah. so it Ken's at the end of February this week in Miami and Rotor Lab and stuff. I'll be flying those servos, that transmitter, that gyro. That's awesome. That's obviously a pretty big stamp of approval. Yeah. <laughs> if you're willing I, I, to, you know, <laughs> jump in like that. I actually took it, I had it, uh, I want to say, there's a couple videos online that uh, some of the Facebook reels and stuff that that gyro was used for that. And uh, I think I took it to one event and used it somewhere. But right now it's just in waiting on the, the official hardware. Uh, it's just in 3D printed box. Looks kind of bad. <laughs> That's all right. It's a prototype. It's okay. Yeah, it looks like my dog chewed on like half of it because I had to drum stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, actually, speaking of competitions, so we've kind of been covering uh, competitions this year a little bit and uh, mm -hmm. have some more episodes planned to talk about it. Uh, but since we're on the, on the topic of hardware, before we kind of dig into competing stuff, I know XL Power is releasing a new version of the Wraith, and I'm just kind of curious what you're going to compete with in F3C at Worlds this year 
Are you going to go with the new Wraith? Are you going to stay with the, the V2 NME? Uh, well, actually, so the new Wraith, um, I actually designed the frames for that. So it's what I flew at Nationals this year. Oh, where? Uh, okay. So it's just, it's literally a Spectre V2. And then I just took the, the Wraith dimensions for the lower frames and like the landing gear position and that stuff and just put those holes in some new carbon so that way the Spectre could fit. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that's literally all it is. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Um, I yeah. was uh, I was chatting online with Rob briefly about it, and he mentioned that the the fuselage for the new Wraith is going to come from you know a third party. Uh, any chance of convincing him to like make it easy for folks and and offer a full fuselage that just fits the Wraith, or or what do you think is the best option if you want to go purchase the new Wraith and want a full fuselage? One of the F3C pilots, so the, the fuselages that we're using now on the, like, uh, ESO actually flew this uh, in his Japanese nationals then because we sent him the frames and the boom and everything so he could use it, the Spectre mm-hmm. upper chassis and stuff. He has the earnest fuselage, so that fits directly on the Wraith or this new one. Okay, so if folks want to pick that up, where do they go for that fuselage? I, you can get it from RC Japan. You can get it from, uh, I think you can get it from ESO directly, e, uh, EP Power, Energy Power. Okay, cool. Um, he's a Japanese F3C pilot, and the Japanese guys, they know the fuselage is better than anybody. So so let's dig into competitions a little bit. So you're in worlds in both F3, F3C and F3N, is that right? Yeah. Let's talk about it a little more. We had uh, Brian Birdsong on, who I know you know is kind of an up-and-comer in the F3 space uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we were kind of digging into his discipline with practice and all that. And, you know, we're going to get into F3N in, in some coming episodes uh, in the future. But let's talk a little bit about your practice routine. Like when you're heading into these big competitions, how much time are you putting in? Uh, a lot of it depends. So I tend to control how much I practice based off, one, how I feel, um, and two, where I think I'm at. Several times I have peaked too early before I went to a contest. And so over the years, I've kind of learned when to hit it hard and cram versus slow down and <laughs> take a break. <laughs> but generally speaking, like right now, so the year of the world championships, I keep a flight count too, but um, I'm actually at 500. And since the team trials in August, I'm at a little over 540 flights as of today. But damn. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a lot of flying, but I've yet yeah, to actually... I'm- I've actually yet to practice anything. Um, I mean, yes, I practice the maneuvers, but um, I basically just play with the helicopter and try something and, okay, I like it. Oh, okay, I didn't like them, but we're back. Stuff like that. And you take the rotor head apart, try dampers, um, things like that. And then probably this year, because of the gyro and because of the switching brands, that might go on a little further, um, but probably come April time, uh, I'll hit like a, I guess like in the, I'd say like a software engineer, I guess he'd say like a software freeze. I just kind of like freeze everything I'm doing and start to practice from then on out. But I probably don't practice like that as much as I should. I think some of the other guys practice a lot more. (laughs) Do you tend to dedicate more time and space to F3N or F3C or pretty equal split? Uh, F3C hovering, I do quite a bit. I will be honest, I don't do a whole lot of f 3 C uh, aerobatics and stuff. Uh, I do practice autos quite a bit for F3C because it's a different style auto than 3D one. Um, mostly 3D. Um, and I'll be t- entirely honest with you, the, the 
it's not that it's harder per se, um, but there's just so much more to learn. <laughs> um, you know, learning one F3C maneuver, I never have to learn the maneuver. I mean, anybody that can fly 3D is not having to learn the maneuvers. They just go up and just do them because they're basic maneuvers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's all about execution, which is just repetition and dissecting what you're doing wrong. Uh, where 3D, you know, like for global and stuff like that last year, I mean, I flat out had to learn stuff. Like it was, you know, it, like bailing out of yeah. stuff. So I tend right. to, I tend to put a lot more effort into the, into the F3C and F3N. And also I'm not as natural. I, I, I tend to notice that I'm a little bit more natural with the F3C stuff. I pick up on it sooner or quicker. Um, or the, with the 3D stuff I have to work pretty hard at usually, especially to try to keep up with these kids. I feel like I look at the F3N maneuver charts and all those arrows and twists and the little diagrams of the helicopter and half of it must be just figuring out what that means. Right. I feel like just understanding the maneuvers, half the battle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. And it's, you know, the FAI rules are written in, you know, Europe. So sometimes it's, it's not just like fluid English either. <laughs> like anti-clockwise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to stop and think for a little bit. Okay. Okay. Left runner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the maneuvers are very complex there's a lot of things to mess up on i would i would actually never want to judge uh the f3n set maneuvers because that would be hard i missing yeah. reversals and stuff like that there's, there's a lot there yeah it seems like such a tight kind of like there's like hardly any room for error i could imagine like in my mind i visualize a person sitting there for hours just trying to get that perfect, like, uh, I don't know, pure loop or doing that, uh, the, the TikTok clock maneuver where you got to hit every hour on the clock and it's got to mm -hmm. stay right in that one spot. I mean, is that something yeah. like if when you're practicing, is that because, you know, you always hear people, well, just break the trick down and do it, do it, do like one or two parts of it and then try and combine them. And how did you even dissect something like that and sit down and, and, because I've talked about it in the show before, how I have a hard time like staying on task, you know, like that seems like doing calculus over and over and over and over again with your thumbs, you know? Um, so what's a tip for you? Like, how do you do that? Uh, just exactly as you just described, I tend to break it down. Um, and typically there'll be one section that I really just have to work towards or can tell that I'm not actually flying through it, just kind of floating through it. Yeah. Um, so I try to, Try to focus on that part and just do it over and over again. Because especially with with glow fuel, you know, it was always well, you're just wasting fuel if you're doing all the. But now, you know, your flight times are fairly limited. Mm, yeah, makes um, sense. It's actually interesting you ask that because there are definitely two different ways to practice, and I really can't tell you which one's better because um, I don't know. I've never tried the other one. Probably need to. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's some guys I've noticed that they actually fly the whole F3C sequence every single time. Like they actually go through the whole thing every huh, time. Like a skateboard runner or a snowboard runner or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, where I've never done that. I mean, usually the first time I fly the whole thing through is usually like the week before just to make sure I got enough battery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty interesting insight. I think, you know, cause I know when I watch F3C flying, it's just, I mean, it, hardcore 3d is out of my league, but watching F3C is, seems like a whole other, that's a whole other thing. You know what I mean? And it's just so precise. And you had mentioned earlier about, you know, you get to a certain point where you just know, 
I got to stop pushing hard on the practicing. Um, I suppose at some point you just got to get to where you know the, the move well enough and then just try to settle into it and just get back to just enjoying flying it. And then when you're comfortable, that's when the competition, when you're in competition and you're comfortable, that's when you can actually perform well versus feeling stressed. Oh, no, I, do I have number six on that clock or what? Yeah, for sure. And also, I always like to be a little bit nervous. So I tend to always try to make it so that I'm, if anything, slightly underprepared rather than overprepared. I know that sounds ass backwards, but. <laughs> do you think <laughs> you perform better uh, under pressure? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yes, yes, I perform. I, I tend to do much better when, when I'm nervous or a little concerned about something. Because okay. then you're focused. Because then you're focusing. Right. <laughs> I'm happy you like mentioned this. focused. I've actually got a question about that. So, hmm. when did you start? How long have you been competing on a national or an international level? How long? How many years has that been? Uh, since 2006. So, so that's a long, long time. Yeah. And just curious. For those of us in the hobby who, especially in the winter months and, and at various points in life, obviously your level of participation, and it's not a hobby for you, but, um, you know, we, we search for reasons to, uh, to, to try to carve out time and, and remain focused on our own progression, right? But sometimes you... You feel like you get, even those of us who aren't competing, um, but sometimes you feel a little bit of a burn, right? So what, all these years later, what is driving you to go out there and do what you need to do to compete at the level you're competing? And how do you, how do you not lose interest? Uh, I think over the years, um, I've actually, several people have asked that. I very much separate the business side from the competition side. Um, the competition and the flying, that's for me. Okay. Um, in any of my agreements with any of the companies that I fly for or work for or whatever, um, obviously, and go out there and just crash every flight, but <laughs> I kind of do. But that is actually not part of it. So that, that's for me. Okay. Um, and a lot of my moves in past years have actually been related to that. Um, I, basically, I just always make sure that going to that competition is not how I put food on the table. <laughs> that's for okay. me. You know, that's <laughs> my, my personal enjoyment. All right. So, Nick, I got a question for you while we're talking about competitions and stuff. What mm -hmm. competition had put the most, had the best memory for you, I could say? Best memory? Oh yeah. boy! What's the most memorable comp competition? Um, I would say probably the first few U.S. nationals uh, that I was placing in the top three uh, because I grew up around those guys. So um, when I finally broke into that group, uh, that felt pretty special. Um, and, and it was the same thing with 3D. The first time I made the podium at the XFC was, and the Masters was global, whatever they call it, like the same thing, um, was in 2008. And I had gone there three years. Well, it was my third year going there. Uh, and I, I really, for me, that was a, 
good memory of finally working up to getting to be with one of those guys, you know, flying against them, not even necessarily beating them, but just hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, of course. How, that was a lot of work. Um, that was, there was a pretty good, I had a really good group of friends and people that were helping. And uh, that was, that was pretty cool to enjoy that with them. Yeah, that's, nice. that's, that's awesome. And another thing going based off that, as of course you said earlier, try competing against the young blood of the heli industry. Now, how, what's, uh, what's your opinion of the piloting level from based off when you started competing to now? It's a really good question. Uh, Cause I have thought about that in trying to figure out how to stay relevant. Um, back early on, I won't say it was all about your equipment, but it was mostly about presentation and uh, kind of show, not really necessarily showmanship to a degree showmanship, but it wasn't necessarily who was doing the most complicated or the fastest or the most amount of things in a short period of time. But you kind of almost told a story to a degree where now things have flipped and now it's all about jam packing with as many different little technical, fast, yeah. crazy things that you can do. And those guys are super, super good at that. Um, so there, I mean, you look back and I think myself and anybody who's ever done something a long time, you think, Oh man, years ago, that guy was so good, but none of those guys hold a freaking candle to what those guys are doing now. <laughs> yeah. It's evolved a lot. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, it felt it felt like like in 2008 I would watch Curtis at F3C and I like wow that's just that's incredible because I didn't understand it right so yeah. wow I can't believe he's you know keeping it a foot over the cone you know or you know inches over the cone and nowadays if you were to overlay the two uh, it's just no it's yeah. totally different <laughs> yeah it's almost like and it, well and the technology is better too so. Yeah, technology's better, but you know the thing I've noticed uh, taking a break from the hobby and coming back is you know you'd you'd go to a fun fly and there would be you know one or two really good, well decent good pilots, good Mm -hmm. I mean good kind of average everyday pilots that can just really throw down. But now you go and it seems like everybody, you know what I mean? It's like it's like the norm to watch a lot of really good flying, a lot of hard Uh, smack. A lot yeah. of really hard smack, you know, and it may not be the most technical, the may, the most accurate or precise, but you know, it wasn't. It you know, I just think back to the early days going to fun flies, and it was like, um, y- you you knew the the three or four or five or maybe six guys that could really smack down, but everybody else was just kind of doing, you know, sport flying, right? It yeah. seems to be kind of reversed now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think a lot of that's the equipment's a lot better. Um, so yeah. you, can, you can progress quicker. Um, so that's a huge help. But also, too, I have a lot more resources nowadays. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's like, true. Uh, when we were doing this video, honestly, the idea with the HeliDirect thing was kind of to... I remember how successful those, those uh, you know, Ray Hostetler and Mike Ma's books and videos were. Yeah, um, yeah. And... Nowadays, I mean, everybody's got an opinion on the internet. So it's, there's lots of different information floating out there, but uh, the stuff is not as 
sensitive is what it used to be. So yeah, yeah, you can, you there's can go really out there. Definitive, there's no definitive resource out there. I guess maybe up until now, a a, a one spot that's like like the Encyclopedia Britannica used to be back in the day. Everybody could just trust in that the knowledge that was in there was the rightest at the time that it could be. You know, and yeah. you go out on the internet and you can find ten different ways to check your main shaft for straightness. You know, um, mm -hmm. but one of those ten ways is going to be the most productive and best way. And, it's nice that there may be a, be a place where a lot of that type of knowledge could be packaged in one spot, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, too, to the stu since the equipment is so much more forgiving these days, uh, it's not as critical anymore. <laughs> so, Nick, I have a, a question for you that's a little bit more on the holistic side um, and uh, not so much about the bird itself maybe necessarily I'm, I'm kind of one i'm the more of the hippie kind of guy on the crew so here's my question so okay. <laughs> you know um it's it's well known and everybody knows that you're an awesome pilot you're a great pilot everybody knows that um in life there's wins and there's losses right um and losing isn't great right and but you know a lot can be learned from a loss you know a person eats some humble pie and it grows from that if you had to look back uh, I'm sure there's probably a lot of them for you, but if you had to look back, is there like a first epiphany or most important one you learned in the early days, maybe uh, after succumbing to a loss, whether it was at a competition or I don't know, maybe you just thought you had something figured out a certain way and it all fell apart in your face. Um, what, what, what do you think that would be? Like, what would be the, the, the most, the most you learned, like what was uh, the most important thing you learned from a loss uh, in Helen? Oh God, I lost a lot. So, um, yeah, <laughs> a finger. Uh, what? A finger? No, I, no, I still have. Okay. You got to bandages. All right. Um, I would actually say definitely my first F three C World Championships. Yeah. Um, okay. That one was that one was a major freaking wake up call. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I definitely went to a lot of competitions unprepared. When I say unprepared, I'm like, no effort whatsoever. Um, and yeah. I know my, I did one time I did that. I, I was still in high school, so I guess I kind of had a little bit of leeway. But I remember my dad in the car on the way here because you didn't practice for this. You know what? <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to take you and spend any money on going to these things if you're not going to practice anymore for them. Yeah, um, yeah. So obviously that was always embarrassing. Um, but probably the, the 2011 World Championships was the biggest wake-up call because in the United States, I was doing quite well. I'd gotten second at the U.S. Nationals to Curtis several times. Um, and showing up at a world stage. That, and, and I had won major 3D contests. I had won the XFC. I had won the 3D Masters by then. Um, and so I was in a completely new thing. And I won't say I was cocky about it. Um, I was far too comfortable though. <laughs> like I knew okay. that I knew, I knew the guys were good and I knew that there were guys there that had been to 20 world, you know, well, that, you know, lots of other world championships and been successful. Um, but like when you go to the 3d masters, the top five are, are kind of in a league of their own. The top 10 then are in a league, the top 15, you know, it's, there's very segmented, um, and at the time, F3C was still pretty big. 
and I had it in my mind that I was going to make the finals. So I actually practiced yeah. the, the final schedule more than I did the preliminary schedule. Uh-huh. Um, thinking, oh, okay. It, it was more of a strategy than a cockiness. It was more of a, okay, I think my strength is this. So I'm going to try to focus on this. So maybe I'll get, you know, as long as I just get the finals, then I'll really focus on that because it's two different sets of maneuvers in F3C. Right, right. Uh, and I didn't make finals. <laughs> so, <laughs> best laid plans, right? Yeah. Best that, laid plan. Yeah, that one stung for, and you know, the world championships were only over two years. And I have made the finals every year after that. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a different, so maybe, different. That, uh, maybe that kind of a, those types of experiences is part of where you started to develop, develop kind of what you had explained a little bit earlier about how your practice routine is. And at some point you find a spot you're more aware of when you're pushing too hard or maybe not pushing enough, you know, that wisdom that you kind of grow over the years, right? So it's like experiences like that or, or where you kind of gain those kernels of wisdom. That's cool. For, thanks for sharing that. That's cool. Yeah. And the biggest thing for me has always been to trust certain people. So I, I have three or four people that I really trust. You know, my, my dad included uh, Jason Russell. He works for HeliDirect now. Didn't used to. I grew up with Jason. Um, having that group of people that they can look at what you're doing and say, no, you better figure something out. You're going to get your butt kicked or, okay, you need to do that again. I think that worked. Yeah. Um, Cause as the pilot, you can't see that stuff sometimes yourself and nobody knows everything. So it's impossible to who, who you surround yourself with and who you listen to. I think it's very important. Yeah. Agree. Right. Yeah. Right on. So I obviously made the wrong decision there. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> it's those guys named Nick. That's the problem. Yeah, it's it really is. <laughs> it's a band of poor choices. <laughs> uh, so, Nick, we covered uh, getting into F3C at the beginner level pretty well uh, a mm -hmm. couple weeks ago with Brian. But what about folks interested in getting into F3N? Like, where do you start to get into something like that? What's your What's your words of advice if you're interested in in more 3D flying style of competitions? Uh, just do it. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Um, you just got to do it. And, and that's something I've always kind of believed in is if you want to go for something, just do it and fail. <laughs> right. Um, and, and until you experience it, you don't know what you're getting into. And it may look way harder than what it actually is, or sometimes it looks way easier than it actually is. But until you try it, you never know. So there's, there's a whole book of maneuvers, and there's very, very simple maneuvers. Um, and so choose the maneuvers that you're comfortable doing, and then also choose the maneuvers that you, at that moment in time, can't do. Um, and practice those ones that you can't do, because if you keep practicing, eventually you'll get them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, don't just go out there and just choose the same maneuvers. Oh, I can do that. Well, okay. Sure, you're just going to be disappointed in the end. So you always try to set for the ones that you're not as comfortable with and then work towards it. And in terms of getting started, you know, some of the maneuvers are just loops and rolls and stuff like that. So, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. Go out and just do it. I mean, yeah. If, yeah. if you, I got dead last in every single competition, I have every comp major competition that I've flown in, I've gotten last at some point in time. Um, so, I mean, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Right, yeah. and it's to it's toy helicopters. Nobody really cares, you know. It's, <laughs> you, know it's, you know, it's just for fun. So go out and try yeah, it. 
<laughs> no, that's funny. I think we all need to put ourselves in perspective sometimes. It is all toy helicopters. It's an awesome hobby, but it's a toy helicopter in the end. Yes, um, for sure. So what's next for you? What's what's up for Nick Maxwell in, in 2023? What fun flies are you planning? Um, obviously, you got the FBL in development. That's going to take up a big part of your year, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That that will. Um, I'm going to rely a lot, obviously, on that company for the them making the, the transmitter side and the user interface and stuff like that. So a lot of it's going to be support. Um, obviously, I've said this for a while now. We're finally getting around to it. Vic Campbell, uh, the owner of V-Blades, uh, he obviously has, has built all the different blade designs over the years uh, that I've sold uh, since he stopped selling V-Blades. Uh, and so he is getting a little bit older, and I think him and his wife, are they're done making blades. They just don't want to go out there and do the labor anymore, and I don't blame them. Uh, so I'm going to take over the factory side and kind of start building the blades here in Huntsville and maybe get some employees and stuff like that. Uh, so we're going to move the factory here. Finally, we've got a set date and everything. So that's a big undertaking. Uh, and you're going to see lots of different variations of blades. Now we've had a bunch of ideas and stuff. So now we'll have the time to do it because Vic's going to focus still on the, the molds and the uh, composite structure. And then I'll be doing the labor side and actually getting the blades out to consumers again. Nice. Um, yeah, and I definitely have heard everybody's response. People want color on the blades. Um, not exactly going to say how we did it yet, but uh, there should be color on the blades. <laughs> yeah, right on. <laughs> um, I'm, go- I'm going to Missouri in February. We're going to get some stuff wrapped up for that and get some blades ready for Rotor Live. So I think end of February, go to Ken's. Begin of, beginning of March, go to Rotor Live. Um, come back and go to Miami. And then I did hear from uh, Tarek in Dubai, and I guess I'm going to go to a fun fly in Dubai at the end of March. Oh, nice. Um, oh, fun. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, and then looking forward to that, I'll go to Spring Fling. Uh, I think there's a couple other ones. Um, but the year of the World Championships, it's only every two years. So usually that year, after about April, May, I tend to slow down. Um, and start to focus on that stuff. So it'll kind of be slow during that time. And then August, it'll pick up to go to all the events at the end of the year again. Nice. I, I want to put a vote in for uh, Nick Maxwell to wreck tandem or some sort of like battle of the bands between the two. You, you know, one of you does a maneuver and one ups the other. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could try that. He actually, he's flown my helicopter on multiple occasions. And every time I'm sitting there going, oh God, I hope this thing holds together. <laughs> I was going to say, what did you say? More head speed? More head speed? <laughs> yeah. Actually, the funny thing is it looked the exact same. So like he'd fly yeah. and it, it looked the exact same. It just sounded different. Um, <laughs> nice. it, def- it definitely, when he flies his own machines, that's pretty freaking wild though. Yeah. yeah. So For you guys sure. could play a game of like heli horse or something like that to see who <laughs> who wins that. <laughs> well, well, he's he can buy, and he can actually one thing that's kind of interesting. I, I see these comments sometimes on the internet. And they're like, oh, well, he doesn't fly technical. Oh, he, he flies really good smack stuff like that. Uh, he can fly technical too. So maybe we we'll ought to try to get him to do a technical flight video. Dude, yeah, I think right he's on. an android. I think he's a robot. I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, man. That guy's sperm rate's way higher than everybody he's, else. Seems like his, his sperm yeah. wear, his sperm-wear update isn't available to the rest <laughs> of us yet. <laughs> he, he he doesn't have seven sixty. He's like uh, one forty. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he's the next generation servo pulse. But 
Uh, what about uh, XL Power? Is kind of the premier, you know, pilot for XL Power. I know we got the the Spectre Nitro coming out this year. Um, you know, are they going to enter the 380 space, which seems to be really popular right now with a lot of brands, or, or anything new on the horizon for them? We can talk about yet. Uh, well, I will say this: in terms of premier pilot, I would say Kenny is Kenny and Can obviously uh, are sure them too. I yeah, should say they, in the US, I guess, but yeah, I'm kind of shifting more a little bit more to the development side. So, <laughs> um, uh, and and Raw's awesome about that. He's he's very open to trying ideas. So, um, no, not that I really know of. There's obviously the race, the Wraith F3C or or, or Spectre F3C. I don't know what they're going to call it yet. Um, there is. I'm trying some new parts that are going to really make the helicopter easier to build. A tapered head block and main shaft like the SIB Genesis. Uh, nice. I'm going to try that for, for 3D. I've been flying that a little while now. It's really nice because all that, I hate to say it, but some of the stuff in the video is going to be outdated when that comes out. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's still important for a lot of other helicopters. We, we've been talking about square and head blocks a lot, actually, since I was at, at your place. So, Oh, oh really? You know, yeah. 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 I mean, the taper thing is going to be great, but, uh, you know, not a lot of helis have that feature. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's for sure. Um, let's see what else. They just released a new motor mount. It's one big piece, like the Nitro now. Uh, obviously, the, the Nitro version. Uh, uh, 380 size, they've got the Protoss 380. Um, that's a tough market, you know, unless it's like a ready to fly, that kind of like plug and play kind of option. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's a tough one. I feel like there's already a lot of good options. So, why? Why try that's to true, and yet everybody's putting one out OMP, Goose Guy, uh, you know, SAB. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all good already. I don't, the 380 Evo is a great helicopter, too, so there's no need, but yeah, make an M1 sized heli that looks like a Genesis. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> you might actually be able to see it if it's got a fuselage, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I can't see those little things, <laughs> yeah. I should say, XL Power has released a ton of helicopters in the last like two years, so they're certainly not due for a new one. Like the, you know, between the the V2s, the enemies, the Nimbus 550, uh, the Wraith V2, uh, the yeah, Spectre Nitro. Busy. There's tons of great stuff coming out, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually really surprised how well the the uh, the black the Nick Maxwell edition did because the idea was that was coming from Diablo. I had gotten used to super super high quality metal stuff like that. Um, so the 70, 75 aluminum head and tail and stuff. I can't believe how many people have adopted that. I figured it would be more of a boutique thing. Um, so for all those that have tried one, thank you. We, appre we appreciate it. Hope, it. hope it works well for you. <laughs> so can I get you to autograph my helicopter? Isn't it on there enough? I mean, <laughs> 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 I guess I I'm actually sneak over and make rubbing. I sent, I sent raw a message. I said, can we stop putting that on there? <laughs> but, um, he's, he's got a lot of inventory. I actually did not know he was doing that. I figured it would That's be like, I heard, yeah. yeah, I figured it would be like when we did the, some of the other different stuff, like Thunder Tiger and stuff where it was okay. Nick sent a few drawings. Here's a few parts. It's not, he didn't design the helicopter. I'm not a helicopter designer, you know, nothing like that. I've never sat down and designed a whole helicopter. There's too many good ones out there now. I don't need to do that. I think he was, I did, I do have to say though, I was the one that pushed for the black anodizing and the 7075 aluminum. And I almost think he did that almost as a scapegoat, not really a, 
<laughs> really signature. Like, okay, Nick forced me to come out with this black helicopter that's of higher quality yeah. aluminum. Right. So this is the one. The piece. Yeah. Just a reminder. I'm sure Nick knows that this was his idea. Yeah. <laughs> on every this, part. Yeah. <laughs> For hundred for a hundred dollars more, this was his idea. So. Um, <laughs> but other hey, than man, that, seventy seventy five in black looks great, though. It does so look hot. Yeah, yep. it it does. And I will say, I mean, for somebody who flies maybe once a weekend, you know, every couple months, okay, you're when you build it, you're gonna see that the seventy seventy five tolerances are a little tighter and stuff like that, but it's not gonna wear out any different. But for somebody that flies every day. I, I do think you can actually notice the difference. So, yeah, buddy. Well, Nick, we're kind of winding down here. Before we do that, though, uh, we're going to kind of give you the floor. I don't know if, uh, if you want to, uh, anything you want to talk about that we didn't talk about, uh, anything you want to promote or, or, or anything. Now's the, now'd be a good time if you have anything in mind. Oh, geez. No, I'm always bad at that stuff, too. I'm not really, okay. good. I'm not good at marketing. <laughs> no, um, I get it. Yeah, I'm putting uh, you on the spot. Uh, no, that's okay. One one thing I did implement. So um, I don't. I'm not good at Facebook, and I don't. I don't use all the different messenger types. I use literally text message and email. That's about it. Um. So on my website, that I had met a few people that have said, "Hey, we we'd like to know if you have ever wanted to come to our event, but we didn't know how to ask you." Or I sent you a Facebook message and you never read it, or something like that. Um, so I did on, uh, if you go to the nickmaxwellproducts.com, there's a, a page and a dropdown that has a list of events that I plan to go to for this year, oh. as well as a, a submission form. So if it's just like, hey, this is a cool event, I, I, you know, a bunch of guys are going, you know, if you didn't see it on Facebook, here it is. Um, the event coordinators are more than welcome to submit that. And that's great because I know like this year I got several emails and it's like, oh, we really hope that you know, you would have seen our event and maybe tried to show up. Like I missed one in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, this is only two hours away. So, um, <laughs> so note to listeners, Nick doesn't know how to internet. So go find him and tell him where you're at. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm really bad at social media. Um, <laughs> so uh, don't take it personally. If I missed your event and it was three hours away, it's not because I didn't want to go. It's because I just didn't know about it. Um, but uh, All right. so so that maybe will help in the future because I just like going to events. That's a huge. I fly by myself. I don't fly at a local flying club. I fly at my house. Um, so going to events mm. and you know being around other flyers is a great time. So, well, Nick, we want to thank you for spending a little bit of time with us. It's always nice to catch up, hear what you're doing. Uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. We sure enjoyed it. Well, thanks. I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, good times, dude. And some new news, man. Oh, my God. Wow, guys. Nick Maxwell, what do you think? Dude, that dude is smart as hell. That was awesome, man. We got some, like, cool updates on new stuff coming out, competitions, the videos, good stuff. Yeah, he, uh, he he's a he's a good guy. He really is. I, I I've always enjoyed t- chatting with him when I've had the opportunity. A few times that I had have over the last several years. But yeah, man. Always that good was, to have 
somebody so well respected and has been in the hobby as long as he has to kind of shed some of the insight, you know, into his thoughts on some of this stuff. So thanks, Nick, for, for coming on. We appreciate it. And of course, always, uh, you know, if you got anything you want to share with anybody, let us know. We'll, we'll make room for you anytime. <laughs> so, all right. Well, this is going to be a pretty long episode, guys. So we're going to just quickly wrap this one up. Uh, but before we do that, let's do some emails. Nick, if I needed to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you can reach me at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com. All right, Devin, how about you? Uh, Devin McClellan on Facebook or Devin at rchnv3.com. I'm Dan. You can reach me at Dan at rchnv3. Please check out our webpage, www.rchnv3.com. You can check us out on Locals if you're so inclined. Thank you, by the way, for the support we are receiving on Locals. I know we keep talking about doing more with Locals and, you know, life. What can I say? Gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> and of course, last but not least, Rob. Daniel son. What do you got for us this week, man? Um, um, well, okay. So if you want to get in touch with me, um, I think probably the best way to do that is to um, steal Tony Hawk's um, Pizza Hut truck from the movie Gleaming the Cube and drive that over to Devin's house and pretend like you're delivering a pizza to Devin's dad, except for in the lid of the pizza, you will have written uh, your message uh, on the lid. And then when they get the pizza, they'll see that, realize they didn't order a pizza and they call the police on you. So you better get out of there quick. And maybe Devin will give me the message if he actually eats the pizza um, or not. But if you don't want to do that or you, uh, don't own a VHS player or can't find that movie to understand the reference, you can just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Uh, hit me up on Facebook at uh, NextGenRCFP or Instagram at NextGenRC or youtube.com slash NextGenRC. And of course, you can always reach Scott at scott at rchnv3.com and he's on Facebook as well. Scott Graham, you can't, he's hard to miss. Uh, Scott's yes. a little under the weather this week, so we wish him the best. And uh, hopefully he'll be back with us next week. And with that, guys, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. See you next time. Where is my outro song, Rob? Come on. <laughs> this is bullshit. Where's my song? Sorry. No song. No song for you. Oh. <laughs>